All that shit, man. I got a haircut recently. There you go. Uh, you gotta be doing it, especially when you're going out and opening for Paul Wall. You can't be showing up looking scruffy. There you for go. Paul Wall. Just do like they do. Just do like they do. They look all shiny and shit all the time, you know? You know, when you're the beat maker, you get to hide in the back with the mask on and you get to be the dude who gets to not have a face or nothing. But when you're the artist, you kind of have to be out there with your face everywhere. Like, hi, pay attention to me. I'm, I'm like what you should be putting your money into so I could go pay the beat maker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be, you got to put Vaseline all over your face so you shine. <laughs> Yo, you know, you say that, but I guarantee you motherfuckers be using lip balm and all kinds of shit to get shiny lips and stuff. Like when you really be looking at them, like they're all talking about how they do these little tricks to get that extra little bit of oomph on the camera. And I can uh, see it. Yeah. See, that's that's when you're a producer. So you, if you always get mails from people saying, "Yo, I'm gonna send you stuff," you know, it's it's so, it's so fun and so frustrating at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Fair. All right. So, um, welcome back to Bridge the Gap, everyone. Uh, we have today for episode 166. We have joining us Bidaho and Boxguts. So Bidaho hit me last minute and said, can Boxguts come on? We have music coming out together. Apparently Boxguts is from Vermont. And I personally went to Vermont for the first time like a week ago. So it felt like the stars aligned and this just made some sense. So um, Mr. Boxguts, I do have like a bit of a, an opening question. I like to run everyone through it. And since Peter Ho's already been here, I'm going to target the question your direction so we can have the typical opening experience for the people. And it's a bit of a, yeah, yeah. a, a story with it. And when it lands, you can kind of take it in whatever direction you want. So it starts off with the girlfriend. And one time she's washing the dishes and she's got that black eyed piece on playing. The, I got a feeling. And she's vibing and dancing and doing her thing. And it just kind of gets me thinking about music and stuff, right? Because if we think about that song, right, and you run it back to like 2010-ish, it's like this celebration song, the middle of the night banger. Everyone's having a good time to it. Run it to 2023, the song doesn't change at all, but we get a little bit older in our lives. And now all of a sudden, this song is like some dishes music or some like chores music or some stuff that we put on when we kind of bored and we're looking to go back to the days of partying and celebrating. And so I bring that up because as we talk to people and then their stories and whatnot, we get to this uh, realization that everybody's life seems to start when they're like 11 years old and discovering hip hop, according to the interviews of the world. Nobody seems to have a childhood. And it seems kind of bizarre because music is one of them things that have been around us since time. Like when you pop out in the hospital, there's a good chance that some song was being played in that room. And, that, you know, a little baby, you was absorbing it, even if you can't remember the song. And it gets me thinking about like my childhood and how I was up in the apartment in Montreal. And like my dad had like that little ghetto surround sound system. And he'd be busting his Led Zeppelin tapes and shit. And at night it would be like that techno songs of the 90s and things that would be like around my mom's it was more like discos and different musicals and disney shits and whatnot and all of this stuff was stuff i had no choice but to listen to because i'm like a little five-year-old kid and shit but it's all music that impacted my taste up to this day so i was hoping mr box cut you could bring us back to the youngest box cut you could remember being and tell us a little bit about what it sounded like to be you growing up and i assume you grew up in vermont <clears throat> 
I, I didn't grow up in Vermont. Oh, so actually, where, my just, bad. I just moved up to Vermont in 2019, November 2019. I moved here from Brooklyn, where I was living for 15 years. And then prior to Brooklyn, I lived in Florida for about seven years. And then I lived in Atlanta before that for about seven years. Minnesota for about six years. Pittsburgh for oh. a year and Detroit for a year. So, so you I don't really remember the Pittsburgh and Detroit part, but you do remember the next parts. Yep, yep. And, and I have like very little scattered memories of uh, Pittsburgh. But I think they're mostly through stories that my parents have told me that I can kind of put pictures to. But for me, music really pulled me in with visuals and like growing up in the 80s mtv was huge and so everything that was we just had mtv on all the time had like a little tv room that was like a little farther away from where my parents would be convening and stuff so i would just be in there like zoned in like you know for everything for these max headroom commercials the peter gabriel videos and shit, man i think like metal really really pulled me in when i would go to at that time the record stores were like tapes and cds were just about to start happening right. and so i would see these iron maiden covers megadeth covers metallica those things pulled me in and i was already like into headbangers ball i liked the way that the metal shit sounded to me it kind of like i don't it it, it was jiving with me as at a really young age but I think I would kind of make myself like the shit based off the visuals. And so that visual aspect really came forward for me because I'm a painter and an artist as well, but I always wanted to do music. And the thing was for me is like, I tried several instruments, no good. <laughs> I, I would have fun banging on the trash can lid, but then ask my mom, you know, can I get into some drums? And there's a neighbor with the drum set, I tried. Man, I was driving this dude nuts. And then um, there was someone who would come over to teach piano. It's not my forte either. This lady was not a fan of me and me not being able to play. So anyways, how actually making music came into life for me was like around... Before you get, if you're getting into making music, when you're like young, young, right? Um, yeah. What do you get up to then outside of that? So you're watching a bunch of MTV as part of that generation. Are your parents big into music? My parents are definitely big into music. They like it. My mom is kind of like Ricky Lee Jones. Um, she like um, James Taylor. Um, my dad, more Zeppelin, uh, things of that nature from, from his time. And still to this day into that. They, as hip hop came into play, that surfaced through me. And it was interesting because my dad, he just loved music in general, but he has a real knack for words. And so he would listen to the songs and he would kind of be like freestyling on them and, you know, fucking around, like joking, but I could see that he could do it. And so when he would do it, I would kind of jump in too, you know, seeing how he could do it and kind of like, ah, I can do this. And then it occurred to me, we had that, I had that knack for words that my father had. And that was my way. So, I so when uh, do you remember how old you were when your dad was uh, busting for your freeze over the music? I think I was probably about eleven or twelve. 
Okay, so when you're like younger than that, are they playing instruments or like were they all singing along or was music just kind of something that was on in the background? On in the background, but my mom would sing. Like they're the type that they would get right in their car, put their tape in, and they're in the zone. You know, mm. they love music. They was always on in the house and all, always on in their cars. And neither of them play instruments. My dad, I think, played a little bit of guitar when he was in the high high school in a band, and then uh, grandfather played the clarinet, but not a lot of music in the family. Fair. Not so, like Vito. <laughs> nah. <clears throat> so you basically come through, you're like 11-ish, and you see your dad busting freestyles and shit. But before that, did you were you like painting and drawing then as a kid? <clears throat> drawing a lot, yeah. That is the same thing kind of through my dad. I would ask him, hey, can you draw me a, a, a race car or a gargoyle? Because I was into those heavy metal shits or whatever. Was, can you draw a skull? Can you draw this? See him draw it, then I would try and draw it, and then got into comic books and kind of the mix of looking at those album covers, the comic books was kind of starting to fuse a little something for me. So I was always drawing, but not painting until I got into graffiti or more uh, in developed art classes in high school that would actually have us using paints and shit. Fair. So you, you, you hit 11, you start learning about hip hop. Is that because hip hop is just bubbling culturally speaking or like... <clears throat> Yeah, at the time I lived in Atlanta, and I think, you know, so Public Enemy was kind of one of the earlier things, but I wasn't super into it, but it, it caught my ear and was like, oh, this is different, you know, and then I think I didn't really, really get into it until I got put onto Wu-Tang, and it was right when Enter the 36 Chambers came out. And that gave me a different kind of connection and more like an obsession. At that point, I was that was like the only thing I wanted to listen to. Yeah, did Atlanta have like a lot of local stuff going on back then? Like we know Atlanta goes on to become a powerhouse, but back then it's like the New York era. So were you all like kind of wishing you had Hot 97 or like was there your own versions of that shit that you were bumping There, there on, like... were. Yeah, there were. There were definitely <clears throat> underground stuff. Um, some midnight train, Panther Power Hour. There were different things that came on at different times that specialized in the underground type of shit. And were you like bumping that? Like, how did you start to get new music in your life? I was getting tapes from people who lived in New York of Stretch and Bobito. And I would also, like, so many kids moved down from the north that all everybody was sharing music so it was like oh you fuck with this shit here check this shit out blah 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 changing trading tapes a lot of times trading tapes a good old pre-internet era when people don't even know what it used to be like and for those that don't know like if you're up in canada stretch and bobito were basically where you would get the plug on all the new underground hip-hop back in the 90s and whatnot maybe late 80s i don't remember exactly when they had the radio show but people would record them tapes and you would hustle them tapes if you was clever because somebody yeah. like Boxcut over here, Boxcut, it's my bad, would come through and uh, purchase that tape off of you just to hear the hot new music because where else were you getting it back in the 90s? Especially because don't think MTV played everything. Don't think that no. like, all the music that was being produced back then that you would think now, like, 
wasn't all exactly mm. safe safe for all hours of the day, like stretching Bobito and that people would be like up all night recording these tapes, like two a.m. to fucking six a.m. type of things. Word. Oh, I got I got something to say, man. Um, big respect, big shout out to uh, Bobito because I, one of the last projects I released, I actually uh, asked him if you want to listen to it on uh, social media, and he respectfully declined. <laughs> but he did it in such a dope way, though. He said, sorry, I'm not interested in listening to your music. But he said it in such a nice way, uh, you know? I love I love that shit. You know? Respect. That's, That's so ill. I'd rather that than, like, a scene or something, you know? Or, like, he ignoring you. At least he acknowledged yeah. your existence and gave you the respect of the rejection. There you go, man. Word. Shout out to Bobito, man. Shout out. No, for real, yeah. like... They'd be, like, mad important for the culture we all participate in today. And I don't know that a lot of people, especially in Canada, give them the respect that they uh, deserve. I remember when Neko was on that show. That was crazy, man. So, I guess going back to the mixtapes, we had places in Atlanta where you could get mixtapes, Fat Gear, and a lot of spots that just brought all the shit down everything mm. coming out that that wasn't on the radio and mixtapes were the shit and they were really tapes cassette tapes <laughs> it's kind of like uh the drug game but for music but um so you were bumping all of that shit back then you were getting put on based on what you had access to um and you said you got into graffiti at one point what like did you get like just fully ingratiated to everything hip-hop or or was it just kind of a separate well, journey? It's interesting because it, it, I did get super fully ingratiated into hip-hop. And the only thing I didn't really get into was DJing because I couldn't afford the decks. And graffiti, I was naturally inclined to. The first time I saw popped open a Source magazine and was seeing all that shit, I was like, whoa, this is different than what I'm seeing all out of the wall. You know what I mean? It's just a whole new level of the artistry. Um and I had seen a lot of like graffiti shit and I was in skateboarding. So a lot of the skateboarding advertisements would have graffiti and stuff like that. So I was starting to doodle it a lot and then got into painting. As I kind of got into rhyming, there would be kids who liked the bomb and stuff like that and just got tags. And then later got into uh, learning how to paint pieces and stuff like that as well. So you were like one of them dudes that would, um, and if you can't answer these questions because of liabilities, understand that. But you were one of them dudes that ran around and uh, tagged trains and climbed buildings oh, and did all that. A shit. lot, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like. Did I you like ever? Tra- did you ever do some of that? Like climb up to like the sixth story of some building on some water tower and put your shit somewhere that's like next to impossible to get to. There were a few that were some tough spots, but I I can't say I ever rocked the way some of these dudes do overpass hangs and stuff like that. No way, man. Like the 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 extremes that I went to, like the closest I I even got to hitting a billboard was kind of a water towery thing. And man, I I I feel like I pulled my arm out of the socket on the way down. And I had dropped cans and everything. I was hanging on by one arm. I went up with a friend. He got he had gotten down. I had to just fall onto him and shit it uh, off of a ladder. I was hanging onto a ladder like with one arm, and that that was definitely a rough one. But that friend and I had painted some really dope spots. A lot of times we had painted one time. We painted some trains 
and then we were painting another spot like some chill walls where he knew where you could see over the walls and the trains came and they had our shit on it and it was like that that was just a sick feeling at that time i was painting every night when i would go to sleep i would be having dreams about spray paint all the cans were under my bed probably sucking in these fucking fumes all night and day you know what i mean but yeah man <laughs> did you ever get uh caught unfortunately i did get caught uh arrest did set me back from bombing um i the last arrest that i had for graffiti was kind of my all right you know what i'll focus more on the pieces I see what this is getting me into. There's a hunger that comes with it that it's just the dedication. It's it's like almost impossible to stop yourself. So I just, I saw where I was going with it and felt like, you know what, let me try and reroute some of this right. energy and focus more on just letters, letter styles instead of ups. So like, um, is there like clean areas then for you to go tag and whatnot like i know that there's the the illegal side of it that many participate in but let's say you're trying to go like legit with graffiti what do you do to go legit because like i think offer services as murals you know what i'm saying like throw events if you can that would have some type of fundraiser involved the more things you can do on that end of things that can draw people to it to show it's an art form rather than a vandalism style or something like that you know the more artistry that can be shown and presented in that way i think the more things that you can monetize with because then you can have shirts for the events and stuff like that but presenting as murals you know you just have a little like portfolio you can bring around the places that have walls and, you know somebody pay it that point so it's like um you just kind of effectively you create like a sketchbook like a tattoo artist would do a potential designs you could put up and you're just kind of shopping murals at that point i think you could do it that way but i would think it would be better to show actual walls you've done so mm. they can see what your work looks <clears throat> like on the surface and uh a lot so of how, artists how do you get the first wall then so like do you have to like break the law a little bit to get your portfolio up and then you're able to get what you want like <laughs> It's, it's funny how that goes. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of times you will just, if you've done really chill spots and they're sick, you might not want to take it out of your portfolio. Maybe you can crop it in a way where they can't tell it's at a train yard if it's not actually on the train, but maybe like at an underpass or something like that. Or, you know, you hit some kind of random wall, but, but you're not trying to show stuff you've done across a high, something you can see from the highway. But, you know, I mean, who knows who you're showing the shit to? I right. would say in most cases, a lot of times I've been put onto walls by people who already got them to paint for whatever reason. They were already connected with painting that wall. And then that gives you the opportunity to just flick your shit, flick the wall and build up your portfolio that way with kind of just like being invited along to paint. So you're saying like no. these are like like situations where people are already commissioned the wall for a mural or a wall is just going to get painted so you can tag it before it gets painted? Commission for a mural. Okay. And then you just kind of become a co-mural guy? In that, if it's for that. But, I mean, in my case, I had started just tagging, bombing, 
painting on anything I could, sneaking out at night, finding little spots, being looking around all day for them and shit, or someone to tell you an abandoned place where you could go paint. And I wasn't really building up my portfolio for that at that time. That's more just like getting yeah. the style, getting it out, getting it up. Draw, just you know, you don't want to sit around drawing it all the time. I mean, when you are drawing it, all you want to do is go out and paint it. Uh, Fair. So your goal then is to find legal ways to paint walls and hope that this all work. Like you can find those places. I wonder if there's like galleries and shit in Montreal that you could just go at this point for the sake of that. Like just like they just you walk in and it's like seven brick walls, and you just paint the wall, take your pictures. The next day they get rid of this shit. <laughs> There might this. be. I've painted in Toronto before. I'm coming up to Montreal for the first time next Friday. Got a show at uh, 1AG Cafe. I say weird. What's your show about? What show? Uh, I'm going to be performing with a dude called Mero, who's a producer and MC, a guy called Brzezowski. Uh, a dude called Garbage Face and someone called Vectrix. Dope. Do you know where or the show is? Vectrix. Something like Yeah. Where's the show at? At 180G Cafe. 180G Cafe. Oh my God. Don't know where that is. Beat, am I talking too much? Nah, you Not at all, fine. man. Beat was like. I don't want to I was talk. Just wondering, like, when you go, uh, when you used to go to Thailand, like, how many cans did you have to bring with you? Like, is it like a big, like, big ass so, bag on your back? So yeah, it, it was always different, right? Like, if I was just gonna go, so sometimes you do stuff called like fill-ins, right? Where you kind of like more on a bubbly letter style, and you want one color at least to fill in, and then an outline color, so you would have like maybe say a big black paint for your outline in a big blue or white or something for your uh, fill color. So then you go up and just waste that can. I mean, you might be able to get like your name three times and then you have the black to just pop the outlines, maybe some shadows, and then you'll have still more of that black can since if you didn't use it for the fill and then you just go and catch tags with that. So you figure if you have two cans that you can get your name out at least three or four times it depends how long you're out for and then you just kind of plan accordingly but if you're how going out can? well it depends if you're taking them or not or you know yeah i was told <laughs> that traditionally it's not legit if you're paying for the cans most people do rack their paint <laughs> I, I have racked paint but i didn't become a racker like i have friends that took that shit to such a level that I just like I can't even identify with that term. You know what I mean? No, I got and like I, like told there were people who would hit up like this one store that's not far from me, and uh, they would hit, basically go out the side, wait for the deliveries, and just jack the entire fucking box of like fucking spray cans, and like it would just be like that. I'm like, damn yeah. man, I would have been terrible in this game if that was all the requirements. Your boy would have gone to juvie. <laughs> Yo, yo, is it like easy to wash off the hands or it's like mad annoying? Different paints are different formulas, man. Some of them will like bind crazy to your skin and uh, others will come off of your skin like very easy, but not off your nail. 
others will come off the nail easy, but not up. It's it's like different formulas, different uh, reactions. Damn. Oh man, you know, and shout out Hobbs, stay busy for uh, Hobbs, stay busy. Word up, you produce my Hobbs. Yeah, yeah a real dope producer out of uh, I think he's in Winnipeg, right? Or he's out in the prairies or something? Yeah, I'm Winnipeg. Sure. Dope ass producer, yeah. That's lit. Hobbs is a man. You seen what he can do with paint? I have not, but I'm gonna put some faith into y'all. I've, I've seen what he could do with beats. That guy's crazy with the beats, though. You should be Box's last album, man. Got a lot of really lot of uh, positive reviews and everything, man. Crazy album. 18 joints? Is it 18? 18 joints. joints. Yeah, 18 joints. All produced by him. Yo, I respect that. Um, You're not afraid of having the people complain at you about having a long album? Not at all. I don't don't care because I have EPs that are short. I have have mixtapes. I have a mixtape series. I'm about to put out volume nine sometime this year. And each one of the mixtapes has 23 tracks. So I've you know what I mean? I, I don't go for filler either. I try and just smash out everything I do, leave my signature on it, and really hit people with the spray because I want everything that I do, I want to play it back and say, fuck yeah, I'm still fucking with this. So I don't care how many tracks are on it. And with that oh. particular... Was that... Oh, sorry, no, sorry. Keep on going, man. Uh, sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt. Man. I think he what was, was like oh. co-signing you I- like a hype man. Oh, good. I was just going to say, it's funny, but that particular project, Hobbs and I, we started with doing two singles together. And then we're like, oh, all right, we got good energy, man. I like these songs. Fuck yeah, let's keep going. So we're like, like let's make an EP. And then we get to that point of like six tracks and we're like, man, let's go for a little album. And then it was like, uh, I think we could make 10 solid bangers. And then at that point, it was like we had already extended it to like 11 and then I was like, man, let's just go for 16 solid fucking bangers and fill this out because we had already had the album concept at that point that just needed to be, be completed. And then he wanted to throw an intro, which I was like, hell yeah. And then a remix to our first single as the bonus track. And that's how we had the 18 cuts. Oh shit. So you didn't have like a, you didn't have like a more that you like, that you scrapped off it. It was just, it was never like, like you had more and you're like, okay, we're going to take the best ones. It was like, you just really had the 16. And you did the intro he, and the uh, whatever. That was the plan. Yeah, he, he and I did not scrap one track for that for that album. Wow, that's crazy, man. That's we crazy. worked everything to. We, some things had to get re-recorded. Some things had to be adjusted and stuff like that. But we, we just chiseled it until we got what we wanted. You know what I mean? Yo, man. was was Hobbs like mad, annoying like me, sending you different versions all the time, or was he was not annoying like that? Nah. <laughs> Beetaho is a different animal. Beetaho is a. Have you worked with Beetaho? I have not worked with Beetaho in music, but I have heard stories of working with Beetaho, and I have <laughs> dealt with Beetaho. I've I've done tech support on the fly with Beetaho with regards to these interviews, and I would say every conversation is an experience. All of them are an it's just a, I'm just a passionate man. I, I, I think you're passionate with your podcast there. Hold up. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm super sure you passionate. Can, you can Absolutely. Box gets as well. Box gets as well. So. And like oh, when I encounter things. West, he's like a billionaire and he's still screaming in studios at people and all passionate. Kanye West. And, and he's, he has a, a billion dollars, in, you know. And, and he's a people, basket case. And uh, 
Nah, I feel like if you when you're really passionate about it, you know, you get caught up in your in your shit, and then sometimes regular socializing becomes more complicated. I think that uh, sometimes passion is bad too, because like, look at me for example. Like, uh, I'll send I'll send the box cuts and virgins, and they're not they're not as good as what we already have. So say like, when you're passionate, you have to understand that you're not always right too. You can't be an asshole and be like, yo. Uh, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be open-minded. You know, passionate just means that you just try to make it better. That's all I said. That's all. I, that's all I ever want. You know. Sometimes, um, with passion comes impatience and this like constant desire to, to just get on to the next part, and then it's hard to like, sit back and figure out the right way to do things. Sometimes when you're always pushing, 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 but. Yeah, yeah, that's true, man. I I hate pushing. I push a lot, but I hate, I hate pushing. But I I push a lot. But uh, I'm trying to work on that, you know. And uh, sometimes people want to get pushed too, you know. When when Beat and I first worked, we would bump heads because of that. Like I would get because I'm having a beer right now, but I would I would drink a lot of liquor and put me in states when I would wake up sometimes and I would crack open my email and see like 10 things from b to ho you know he's like got adjustments for songs asking me to swap this beat out with that beat to so much and then I, it would be like oh yo i got all this sh- other shit going on what the fuck bro i, I can't do all this right now blah 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 and we would get into <laughs> these like funny kind of little tussles and we just learned to work with each other over the years we're now we're like we communicate because we have a friendship and also it lights a fire under me to get stuff done because even when I have stuff on my plate, I tell them like, yo, please don't touch those beats. Don't give them to anybody else. I, you know I got you. Our track record is sick. Like he and I have what? We have at least eight, like seven or eight projects, something like yeah. that. So you know if you give them to me, I finish it. I don't like to like start something and do it and then go. Mm. Yeah, I used to be a yeah, lot better at finishing I, I, things. I'm blessed too because my father helps me out. He, my father laces all the music that I, that I make. You know, so let's say if I work with the box guts, like even on this upcoming project, I think he lays two or three of them. So you'll hear guitars, you'll, you'll hear pianos, you'll hear strings and stuff. So I'm blessed, you know, to have like a real studio musician lace lace up our music. You know, so sometimes that pushes me even harder. I don't want to waste, uh, you know, valuable like energy. You know what I'm saying? No, I totally yeah, hear no that. doubt. Dude. Then I discovered that when you that. start performing live, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, your dad is pretty cool for doing that. But I discovered hey, he that the hates second... he doesn't like it at all. <laughs> but that recording live, uh, sorry, performing live makes it a lot harder. I find to record music. Ever since I started um, doing shows, it's like my like studio productivity felt like nothing. Mm interesting do you feel like because of what the energy that it takes up to do shows or because you're thinking of music in the show sort of like, like format as you're doing it i just think it's hard it's it's like a focus thing right like when you're like just straight writing you can like bang out a song and like move on to the next one and then bang out a song and move on to the next one but now you're like performing so you got to now have like these like 12 to 15 songs ish you know the ones that are solo sets the ones that have these features man's pulls up goes okay let's do that track now it might take me like five hours to like maybe memorize that song or something so like a lot of energy goes into like 
maintaining the live set and then like yo even if two weeks goes by now i gotta practice every song again even the ones i know i know just because you know you might fuck it up or whatever and even then you still might fuck it up and you know you gotta focus on all this shit so it's like and then uh when you're like trying to be out there a lot you're getting home later and like you know you wake up and you're like it takes a while to get going it's not like you're like well rested and full of energy like you know like i think for studio you got to be like almost like living for studio like waking up proper getting enough sleep staying hydrated making sure you're in like the best conditions and when you're out there like basically half partying because you're promoting your music you don't necessarily have to drink or anything but you're still out all the time it's like it's different and you're practicing for that i find it hard to like switch gears into like sitting in my room for five hours in front of a microphone like it's a lot yeah I think I understand what you're saying. That that's kind of that's interesting, man. But I, you know, I can't relate because I'll never do a show, you know. But uh, it sounds interesting, man. I mean, the dynamics of the. It's like you put as much time as you have. Like let's say you're gonna put 20 hours into music, maybe you put more, whatever. It's just you have to now divide that between being creative. So like I'm still making new music. It's just way slower because I don't have as much time that I could dedicate specifically to like putting myself into that creative zone. And then like, if you only got like an hour, you're like, nah, I'm not going to bother. I only have an hour. I just try and stick to the schedule, bro. Like that's, what's been helping me. Also situation for me is kind of different because I was performing in Brooklyn, but I was also recording and uh, putting albums out on a consistent basis as well. And then moved here had my first child my son and mm. covid happened all around the same time so i'm in a new place becoming a father not knowing anybody and i just was like you know what for right now since shows are popping i'm gonna hunker down and just grind and beat a hoe and i cranked out a 23 track album put out an ep put out a couple other albums like maybe four or five other albums, you know, and just have stayed like dumb busy on the recording. And now shows are popping back up. But I see what you mean, because in this time where I've been getting prepped for just two shows coming up, you know, that scheduling time that I write in to to practice for these sets, definitely you put in a lot of energy for that. And it is a big gear switch than sitting down to be like, okay, pop on that beat and start writing. But I can still, I kind of, Put time for that too because at this time beat mm. and i are getting ready to put this album out on friday so it's like to be I fair to... in my life i also choose to do things like interviews and blogging and all this other random shit so i don't really give myself a lot of time to to make music as it is but yo during covid when there were no shows i was recording all the time and then it's like yeah. i feel like it's just like i don't know promoting your music is a whole other side of the game and I'm just trying to, like, yeah. focus on on that part a lot more, too. Like, if I make another album that doesn't sell, it's cool. But I would like to know that my next album is going to actually move a little bit better. Yeah. So do that. Let's go perform 100 times. You know, really do that yeah. foundation. Well, I, I think one of the tricks is if you have to invest money. Like, if you, if you have, like, a few, let's say you invest, like, a, just to make it simple, like, 100000 then you might you might make more money off, you know, off your music if you because if you invest a hundred thousand promoting and whatnot you know you might make more money you know like i think it's i think it's like a money game you know 
It is, I'm probably wrong though. No, no, it I is, but there's a, a a lot of ways to spend money. Here's an example. The other day, that's true. Where I got going? invited to go to Morrisville, Vermont. That cost a little bit of bread. It's not free to go to another country. It's not like terribly expensive. We had to split a tank of gas and then you know a couple things for food or whatever, and but that's a cost. That was a marketing stunt for me. That was promotion. Hey, look, I rapped in another country. Did you? What did you do this weekend? Is it like super cool? I don't know. I still went to the fucking stage. You need a passport to do that and shit. Like it is what it is. It's still Vermont, but marketing stunt. I'm going to Toronto. That's going to run me how much? Then you get the Airbnb. It's like, yeah, there's crazy bread you're going to have to spend. And how you choose to spend your bread is, is up to debates. You could put money into like straight advertising, which is one way to go about it. But like, I'm going to go travel a lot and write blogs about it and just create this whole like experience that will end up costing me probably just as much, but it will focus more on like me not being home. You know, like as like a, so like there's a lot of ways to do it. I don't think there's a lot yeah. of free ways to do it. I think you pay regardless with your time because there's there's no set formula for everybody to blow in one straight lane. And if you're looking to do that, you're gonna fuck up because you're gonna be comparing yourself to whatever that someone else did. And man, being an artist or MC or producer being involved musically or through the arts is a journey, man. It's going to pop off different for everybody. And it's just about your dedication to it. I think the money comes into play with how you manage your energies. And so say you're not doing good with your money, then probably you're going to invest a whole gang of it into somebody who's going to send it all down the drain and you're going to have nothing, but you'll have learned a valuable experience. And I think that those things are those do pays that happen through time mm. and because some people blow too and they ain't ready so you have to stay ready because if you're not ready you got one album to drop and you flop and you're fucked out of here i mean it's also like the music business a business right so end of the day what are you going to do to make money i've made more money selling clothes uh not that crazy amount but really if i run it in the last four months my biggest profit sources have been patreon when it comes to music because some guy's paying me to do album reviews and then I've made some money selling pickle related clothing items it's not really like I'm making money selling music it's that music is an advertising platform to legitimize shit you can trust me as an album reviewer because hey look I actually do make music you can trust yeah. that I have an opinion on performing because I do perform and all of these things kind of glue into a bigger package where you can monetize it so I started blogging because I don't know. Let's say one day Bidoho wants a beautiful press write-up. Maybe Bidoho pays to bring me down to his studio and I sit there and he keeps me around all day and then I go write about Bidoho. Maybe one day that's worth money to him and he thinks that's lit. In order to do that, I got to create this value proposition and shit. That's worth money. Rapping? Yeah. I mean, it's worth money. I have, I have in fact, received a couple of bags to show up and rap no strings attached but they're few and far between and it's going to take me a long time to get more and more of them and it's a relationship game and the longer you do it the more you get but if you really want to make me. money in this you have to build a business around what you do it's not like selling out you can just make your art pure cool make the music you want to make but then find your pickle shirts or whatever other fucking shit you can do that will make some money so you can make the music you want to make Absolutely. 
I mean, everybody finds another hustle through things and the music just elevates that. Even doing stuff for music libraries, you maybe do something that's a little less your style, but something that you can do. Well, what do you mean by and, that music libraries thing? Well, in my case, I was approached by a couple of producers that said they were connected to music libraries, right? Which meant that they present packages of music that they've produced and they present it to a company that makes all those tracks available under uh, searchable genres when people are looking for music for like television shows, uh, sporting mm. events, uh, video games, movies, all that shit. So that stuff pays. So right away, like in, in my case, at least when I was approached, they asked me to do three tracks and I got paid for the three tracks and then they do royalties. Anytime your stuff gets chosen, even if you're not on that part of the song. So say they pay like play three seconds of something on a show and it's just the instrumental, the artist still gets a, point, a per portion of it as well, as well as the producers. And it just tallies up every time the show is played and then you get a breakdown every three months. So. It's it's a so good you, way. You're on, for, you're on major shows too. What major? You were on two major shows too, right? The, yeah. On uh, the Netflix, the Netflix that, series. For, for the Netflix series. Damn, that's a new show too. I I've just for some reason the. Yeah, that's the a name bit of, of the it. flex. Of like most, he's like, I'm on Netflix. Flex. I don't can't be bothered to know the name of the show I'm on. <laughs> it's just slipping. It's slipping me at the time, but yeah, man, it, it was actually. Uh, Damn, and it was a number one show too. Damn, I should I should yeah. be remembering right yeah, now. Yeah, music playing in that show and the what else? The, uh, the, the, Jersey the Atlanta show. show. Uh, yeah, yeah, the hip -hop, show. That, that hip hop show, Atlanta one. Um, you got a, you so, got played in Atlanta? Wow. Like you got played in the show yeah. Atlanta? That's hard. Uh, not not the show Atlanta. It was uh, it's like one of those like hip hop shows where they have all these people like kind of like. Flavor of Love, but like, ah, love I can't remember what that one was called, too. Um, it's a major show, like a major like show that, you know, huge. Like lo Love and, and, and Hip Hop or one of them ones? I think maybe it's Hip Hop something. Something Love? Was it love Something Love? Love? No, I don't know. Love? That's the other major one I know of, but that's fine. <laughs> the Recruit is the show on Netflix, though. The recruit is the show. That one was good. They used my vocals and all that. And so you're saying your voice was used in a scene on a Netflix show? Because that asked. That's one of my dreams right now is to get picked up for sync. And you watch some like montage scene, and this motherfucker starts playing my lose weight joint as he's working out, bro. I don't even care if the movie's trash. I would be so happy with that moment. That would be the greatest movie in history to me. Man, so if you have songs that you can like package into a little genre like say for for instance the guys that hit me up they're like we're gonna do punk hip-hop songs so they have like a punkish edge in hip-hop right like simple so when people are searching for a show boom punk hip-hop ah well okay what are these things here so if you had some stuff like say seven songs about sodas you know what i mean i don't just for instance right then you put like soda rap and they go in there, boom, boom, boom. Anytime 7-Up is looking for something. Anytime uh, Coca-Cola, that type of shit. 
I do have two Yo, songs. Yo, it's called the really... recruit. It's called the recruit to show that you had the yeah, song. Yeah. The recruit. Yeah. Okay. The recruit. Yeah, there you go. And, and Fortune Fire is another one. <laughs> yeah, it's no, like that's a really show cool. So how did you get approached by these people? Is it just you put your music out and then they approach you? Or did you have a more active part in this? They had found me on, on uh, Bandcamp. They said they found my music on Bandcamp. Say word. That's an interesting defense of using Bandcamp. Do you sell a lot? Right. I, I sell decent on Bandcamp. Yeah. Mm. So I guess you have to sell on Bandcamp to get some love on Bandcamp. Oh, I think it's like the biggest thing though is like it's really box guts like skill skill set because like these guys probably see thousands of people every week and they just try to find somebody who's very unique you know and uh, and they probably just saw his music and like okay we need this guy because you know nobody really I mean this guy is on his own. Uh, I lane, totally you know? believe you, but they're never even gonna notice my man camp because I got like three followers and so it doesn't really matter. I got a lot of music yeah, out and three saying. followers. So, I mean, like, you got to be doing a degree or something to catch the attention in the first place. So, I was curious. You know what? You know what? I've never it's so gotten... funny because they... Sorry, it's so funny because they can, like, they can also <coughs> be looking for, like, a, gen a generic clone, too. Because it's like, that shit is good, too. You know what I'm saying? They could be looking for some guy who sounds like Travis, uh, whatever his name is, because... People like that shit, you know. So it's like I'm not saying they're just looking for people like. Well, I, I just mean like with the the sea of music out there. Like if you're gonna go look at shit, I mean, I'm not saying numbers are the biggest distinction, but if you're doing a couple of sales, even even if you do two sales a month, you're already significant in the world of artists trying to make a move. You're gonna start to have a bit of a follow. It'll say like a couple hundred followers on your band camp. It'll show there's a little bit of a community there. That's like an indicator that your music is blessed in the first place. You know what I mean? Like, whereas maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is A&Rs and people that'll just click on any random shit. But I've, I've neglected my band camp for the bigger part of my career because, I don't know, I'm a, I've been pushing the fuck out of Spotify. But maybe there's value in things I haven't done. And when you hear about somebody getting approached for sync licensing off a of fucking band camp, that's an interesting thing that I didn't put a lot of thought into that maybe that's a, a whole other reason to use it. And these dudes are just producer artists themselves, you know what I mean? I, I don't know whether someone had told them, you know, check box guts or if they were scoping around and happened to stumble. But mm. yeah, man, that came from that. Yo, Banking, I gotta add something though. For me though, I, that's that's like me across the world, like selling custom-made CDs, selling mad merch. You know what I mean? It's it's been good. They do they do put their paws in. They they take they break a, a nice chunk. They're not fucking around over there. That's for sure. So that's why I'm getting the website popping. But even that, I, I don't want to cut Bandcamp out because they just things like that. You know, things like sync licensing. Do, do you do you pay for Bandcamp Pro? Like they're like extra or is this all just on the free bank camp that's on the free yeah that's fucking hard maybe yo, i should do yo i got i gotta say something man um i want to just shout out holdem's uh crazy fucking uh album reviews man because i remember you 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 reviewed uh, an album that i made the music for for california ghost king Thanks. i remember i saw the whole two hour review and I, the first thing i was like you blew me away man i was like who does a two hour review this guy must be like Either I was like, either this guy's gonna be really whack, or he's gonna be like, you know, fabulous. And I and I heard the whole, I I, I watched the whole thing, bro. Every track and like 
his honest opinion, like no bullshit, and in a, in a positive way, not in like a not in like a negative, like a, yo, he's what you know. It's like I don't like this song. I like you know. I, I was I thought it was a really beautiful experience, man. So uh, that's really cool. Doing those, man. I mean, it was fun. I started re- trying it again lately. Um, you know, the problem with album reviews is after a while, listening to music feels like work. And that gets really weird yeah. when you, you don't want to listen to music anymore. Even to this day, I can't listen to music for fun exactly like I used to. I do it, but it like it's, honestly, I listen to drill for fun. Like I can't really listen to hip hop for fun like that anymore since the album reviews. But like, um, I just, so I was, I just realized when I'm at work, I want to find a 90 minute video or some shit and not have to switch it. And I saw this dude, Rock Critic, was doing this shit with Weezer and really going in depth. And I'm like, why does nobody do this? Turns out it's because not a lot of people want to watch it is the reality. But um, I do, I just really like the experience. I mean, if we're going to go through an album, then you have to go through it in order. You have to go through every song. And you have to try to figure out how all the songs connect or else it's not really doing an album review. Like, (laughs) to me, it was just like that. And then I feel like a lot of people did not listen to all the albums in the 90s that they praise. Because if they did, they would have heard all the posse cuts and then they would know that the 90s was not full of great rappers and that there were some, some pretty not great rappers in the 90s too. I feel like Vita Hood just disappeared on us. <laughs> yo, 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 shout out to the woman that was doing in the review with you. She was dope too. I, I forget what her name That's was. That's funny. She was, she, she yeah, was she's uh, she's past the days of wanting to do reviews. She, she got hired by the uh, Native Women's Shelter downtown Montreal, and she's working with this next lady to like fight the system and represent indigenous women and fight for the rights of people and like she like works with like amnesty international to take on the quebec tribunal i'm like yo that's some like i totally get why you don't fucking care about album reviews at this juncture of your life you're doing some real (laughs) shit is she a lawyer or what not even she's uh an executive assistant but what that means is she's really good at dealing with the complex people so she's like the homie that shows up with the clipboard that makes sure shit gets done Damn, damn, that's hot, man. And then she's just meeting all the people, but through that path, it's like, yo, she's already on a on a career trajectory where, like, 10, 15 years from now, she's going to be the one on the news arguing with politicians about shit. It's pretty hard. So I'm like... That happens, that happens, man. Yeah, I'm like, fair enough. I totally get how you don't care about rap reviews. <laughs> you I think it's like dude. energy. Sometimes you just don't have enough. Sometimes you have, like, a... An abundance of energy, and then sometimes you're low on energy, so you can't do it anymore, you know? Or, like, sometimes you don't have a passion for yourself, so, like, you jump onto the passions of the people around you, but then when your own passion shines through, you got to focus on your own passion. It's like, now that I'm focused on certain things, I have to let go of other things, and life just kind of evolves. Like, you really can't always do everything forever. Like, I can never do album reviews at the same pace or focus. It'll never be the same priority as it ever was because even the interviews is more important than album reviews. This is documenting our culture, whereas album reviews is cool, but it's not really documenting our culture. It's not really playing into the bigger missions of what I think needs to happen or the the bigger, more important things, whereas you get older, it's, like, less about you and or it should be and more about the community. So, like, I, you know, things just kind of change. Plus, I like going outside more. <laughs> the interviews help me go outside and, you know, say what's up to people better. 
I know not everyone want to go outside. Some of you beat makers love staying home forever, but I kind of like being in the crowd. I kind of like being at these shows. It's a fucking vibe. Oh, bro, last time I went to a show was probably like 20 years ago, man. Yeah, no, I love it. I was at, <laughs> I mean, I did like the Paul Wall show on Friday, then went to an open mic on yesterday. We're doing the Jerry the Damager show tomorrow, and then just keeping it running. Yo, the last time I went to a show, I did a bunch of mushrooms, and I kind of had a whole paranoid breakdown in front of the show. I was hiding in the, in, in like the, uh, I was pretty much hiding in the sand, bro. You know? <laughs> no, I you did like, a bunch no of mushrooms way. before a show. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like a, it was called Polywogs. It was like a big metal show, you know, and uh, I would just, I would just, I just remember shit being so shiny around me when I was looking everywhere and just kind of hiding, you know? That's the mushroom shit. <laughs> Yeah, mushrooms is crazy. You can, you can do mushrooms and you'll have a nice trip. I did one set have, high yeah, on mushrooms. Like... Done that shit, huh? I, I did one set high on mushrooms. Like, I did the mush and I paced it wrong. <laughs> I figured I would kick in after. No, it kicked in the second I picked up the mic and the lights hit my face. And I got through the set. The performance is really great. Like, I'm extra, like, emotional. But all I can tell you is I dripped... There was a puddle of sweat under me, bro. A puddle of sweat. <laughs> oh, off. It was like, I, it was disgusting. Like it was, irris it's irresponsible of me to do mushrooms and rap in a public place. <laughs> I had too many bad trips. I don't know I if two I major back trips. It's, that's why I stopped. What are you saying? But I, I used to love to trip and perform, man. Like, damn, take a little, <laughs> or a fucking throw some caps back. And times where it would hit, sometimes I wouldn't even know. I would go through the whole set and then come off and someone would be like, yo, that was crazy. And I was like, yo, good luck. And then other times, like with the, with the drops, man, like the energy is just, just fucking bursting out. I don't know, man. I, I have enjoyed working with psychedelics and, and, and performing with them several were times. You, did you always make hip hop or were you like in other genres of music? always hip-hop i so mean just... i i like I, I i freestyle around and sing all types of different songs like you know i, I parody shit like weird out type shit but but uh don't record nothing or really make songs like that always hip-hop okay so like all your rapping has just been hip-hop and different so you're just tripping on mushrooms rapping well that's that is has happened uh, I, I do use them occasionally for writing. I use them occasionally for painting, but I do those things sober as well. I do those things just smoking and shit like find, that. But um, do you yeah, find the art is performing? I, like, I, like I wrote a song on mushrooms, and I was expecting you know something other than what I got. What I got was a song that was remarkably exactly like a song I would have wrote when I was not on Mushrooms. There's like maybe a one-two difference on my flow. It was just so not astounding that I was like, damn, eh? So I'm wondering if like Mushrooms and shit makes your art come out different. For me, yeah, I found that, yeah, some have just wrote themselves, you know, and that it's like, barely pushing the pen like it just the thoughts come out and just lay themselves in a way where it's like the connection is happening the moment is happening just so, so just just kind of like just 
can my hand keep up with my mind? And that's the same thing with painting. Sometimes it's like the painting is already projected on the canvas. It's just up to me how quick I can move and how quick my mind will change because all these things are happening so quickly at once. But Yo, I got to imagine yeah. painting is crazy because like, at least for me, shit gets swirly. Like, thank you. Well, I'll like give that. you an example of one here. This, oh, this cool. one, a lot of, uh, let me see if I can find a way. Wow, that's like Damn. remarkably good. Oh. Holy shit. <clears throat> That's like crazy, you hear painting, man. you don't expect like damn. That's like you can see that in an art museum. Good. Yo, bro, that that to me, you know what that says to me, man, box? It's, it says mad cow disease. I don't know why, man. That's what screamed for me. I see a dead <laughs> unicorn that's been slaughtered. Did you hear that, box? Yeah, yeah, I'm listening to everything y'all are saying. Yeah, no, mad, I see a dead ass disease, unicorn. Man. Like, like you just went like to fucking town on a unicorn. Oh. That's hey yo hold him. That's just one painting. He has like mad paintings. Like he, the house is filled with paintings and uh, everywhere. No, but that's yeah, really know. cool. That's like a crazy experience. Like that's really talented. You went to art school Thank too you. in uh, New York. You went to New York, right? No, actually, the college I went to was in uh, Sar. It was in Sarasota, Florida. Oh, Florida. Okay, yeah. After you finished art school, yeah, that's what you said, right? Yeah, after I'm, yeah, after I finished art school, 2004, moved to Brooklyn. Moved to Brooklyn, yeah. So uh, when I say art school, is that you went to like your university, right? Yeah, it was called Ringling School of Art and Design. I think they're called Ringling College now, or something like that. Wow, so that's three years, right? That's uh, four years. Holy shit! With people just like breaking your balls too. So like, like, do you think, do you think art school like made the difference? Like, are you like? For me, yeah, I I needed the discipline for sure, and also it opened me up to learning how to paint with oils, painting with acrylics. There are so many artists that I met there that I went on like, you know, with graffiti too, mad missions, meeting all these other kids that paint, learning how to paint different ways from each other and then the professors that i had man i was blessed i had a, a guy named sean barber he's a remarkable artist um tattoo artist i believe as well out in la i think man his his work is incredible but anyways these there's not just him i had several teachers that just like could see something in me and took the time to help me get better and and i just i needed that discipline i got more discipline and fell in love with it to where to where it, it just flows out of me you know what i mean and they I give think, you like real they give you like real critiques too no bullshit right they really no bullshit really, really, no nah, that's that's yeah. the other thing like it, it helps like you yeah, learn. that's a good statement yeah it, it's great because yeah. it teaches you to let people tear your shit down anybody because like some people will be and then you could read that too like some people have valid shit to say that could in fact help your stuff get better and other people might be on some shit and you can read that and then there's some people and they're like you start critiquing theirs and then you come around they come around to yours and they're going to try and blah 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 you know what's real like certain folks and you respect their skills is it like your some. peers that critique each other or do you have to like basically go through and have everyone else in class talk about your shit oh, the teachers yeah. right teachers and then yeah they're so the professors who were artists themselves and okay. most of them incredibly skilled 
and then all of your classmates. Man, that's like, imagine you have to go to the rap show, and then after the rap show, all the rappers rate your performance instead of just being like, Yo, good Brooklyn job, wasn't much <laughs> Brooklyn wasn't much different, man. People uh, were pretty critical. I have heard that. My man's is, um, I do a podcast that's similar to this with my dudes in Bronx, and he has taught me a lot about the New York way of being and how New York will not fuck around. They are nah. happy to boo you. Happy to do fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. New York definitely helped shape what I wanted out of myself. And now I'm hyped to be able to be here. And I was really pleasantly surprised to the two Vermont shows where I went to just observe. And they're dope. And I was like, good, man. Mm -hmm. I'm hyped. I can't wait to rock here. I got all love from Morrisville, but deadass, I rapped in front of eight people or so. It was not as lit. It was kind of what you picture for when somebody says you're going to a place called Morrisville and you look it up in Vermont and see what the Google Maps looks like. And all love to those people. Everybody in the room was cool. And it's not That's their cool. fault that shit went the way it went, I'm assuming. I can't say that definitively. I don't want no problems with the people there. We all good. Um, I'm just telling you how I like lived the experience, but it did put yeah, me yeah. on to how like Vermont's mad different. And I saw a couple of the local acts in Vermont and I realized being a Montreal artist in Vermont might be a good position, <laughs> you know, playing Maybe. around in there because like Montreal has a lot of people. So if you're trying to stand out in Montreal, I mean, you got to have a lot going on for you, to be honest. It's like there's hundreds and hundreds of people that I know that rap right now, not just in the scene. I mean, I know right now I could send a message to hundreds. So it's like when you think about that and you go to places like I looked up Burlington, it's just not as big. It's just not. No, it's not. I mean, that's the same thing for me coming from New York City, right? It's like... That's why I was so pleasantly surprised. I had no idea what to expect. So going to the first shows, I didn't know if I would enjoy myself, but yo, man, people could spit and they took it serious. There was like at least five dudes who could rhyme nice off the top. There was like at least every dude who performed was tight. You know what I mean? Knew their shit. And it was just like, yes. I mean, Jarv, Jarv definitely did a lot for Vermont, I think. I've, I've just recently been put on to his stuff. I still don't know his his music that well. He makes beats, mixes himself, super on that indie flex. Um, he's like, I'm a white boy and I know it music. That would be the genre I'd put him in. Okay. I'm not mad at it. It's, it's what it is. I've never Even heard if they that got, um, It's basically dudes who are like do this self-aware goofy shit where like it's almost like anti-hip-hop in a way it's not that it's it's still part of hip-hop but like it's almost like you rap about not being violent to be ironic about the fact that you're aware of your position in this bigger game and all this other shit like it's typically a bunch of intelligent white dudes that do this shit and i mean like real like the super smart white guys who like are often super independent rhyme sayers kind of tier of life and it just ends up feeling like an anti-hip-hop genre compared to, like, say, what a gritty New York sound would be. Um, I, feel I, try to, I try to not be a part of that while also sticking true to myself because it's really easy to just accidentally fall into this, like, I'm being white about it version of hip-hop. I think I have seen artists that I, I know what you're talking about. 
I know that's not the best description, and I could see how some people might be like there might be better words I could use to describe it. But like, there's this almost like it's almost with this middle class crowd of people who clearly grew up in houses and they never really struggled and. You know, it's all these different things that almost become these motifs of their music to play in opposition to the more typical gritty things you would get from a New York sound while reflecting at a technical level all the really important elements of good rhyming. It's honestly why I don't try to do puns a lot. I'm not trying to even be like that. I'm just trying to spit my shit. I don't know oh, that I've been sense. I, I've been I've been watching you, man. You've been doing a lot of shows, huh? Like you're really trying to get into that 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 I love show it. mode, huh? It, to me, it's hey, man, like you're having fun, man. What's the like to me? That's the dream is to get paid to travel, right? There's almost nothing I want more in life is to have people give me money to pull up places and rap or or fuck it, just be there. To get that, you have to go do a lot of things. And the thing is, is I'm trying to not have hubris with it like look i know for a fact that with a lot of effort i'm gonna pull 15 20 people to a show and that's with effort that's what my value is in the show economy so i have to increase that value if i really want to get to where i want to get in life and to do that you have to go to open mics or like the shit grove mtl that happens on wednesdays there's like a hundred college kids that are there every week every week half the audience is new there's a band that just jams and all you got to do is get up and bust a 16 or two boom you'll make a one two new fan make a few more connections so it's like being out there and connecting with new audiences and like i don't know how much i want to do 100 showcases to the same audiences and the same people but that doesn't mean you should stop being out there so if I'm going to spread my music, <clears throat> I have to try to make an effort to meet five to ten new people every single time I go to an event and make that effort to connect. So it's not just like I'm going to rap. You know, I'm going to actually network, you know, do that networking thing that everybody be talking about. And not just to, like, other rappers, but, like, I want to know what fans like. Everybody might buy a pickle shirt now. Everything's kind of like different when you start to look at it like going out as a business opportunity. Like the other day, I technically made $50 selling hoodies. That was all leaving the crib, right? Like I'm not doing that at home. So like it just changes it. So if I'm out there and I rap and that puts me with my merchandise in front of larger audiences, this is better advertising than worrying about some of the more how do I boost my Facebook post. Now, nah, let me boost a good Facebook post when some good moments happen that we capture and then go out there and capture good moments. And Word it up. just makes like, how do you have good art? Like, I don't want to just be another guy in my mid 30s sitting at home struggling, rapping about the same bullshit. So I have to go live <laughs> a different life. Otherwise, my source material no. is going to be the same as everybody the, else's. You have like the machines to make your shirts or, or are you like, what do you do? I work with a local distributor. For me, it was important okay. to work with a local distributor. I know there might be better prices in another distributor, but you can't be talking about being about your culture and like moving money out your city like that. So keep it local as much as you can. So uh, I found a guy who like I can pick it up in my neighborhood. Um, I'm also working with Printify, as I say that, but that's just because like, I'm playing around with a website and I haven't figured out all the shit and he doesn't have all the shit. 
So like between the two of them, I want, I'm like keeping my shirts and hoodies with him, and then the random shit on the internet for like testing out print on demand or however it is, and just learning a lot about this on the fly. But like, yo, the you bag see. and shit. So like now oh, we nice. got the. You should you should see. Uh, uh... Box got sells clothes too. You should see the clothes he's selling, man. It's like uh, it always is so amazing the clothes he's making, man. Oh, uh, yo, good luck. Oh, you got man. something? You got, you got something? Yeah, right hold up. Congrats. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to see wonder, Box that shit. I think the equipment is not too expensive, though. The equipment. Like, uh, somebody tried to sell me that one time. It was like eight thousand or something. Like the whole, the whole. I don't know. Maybe it was a once in a lifetime offer. Who knows? You know, but. I almost did it, man. Cause it's, it sounds like a hustle. You can just put it in your trunk. You can just make mad shirts, put it in the trunk, go somewhere. I mean, yo, you want a shirt? Twenty bucks, you know. It's kind of like it is like that though. Like yo, I, even I was in Manhattan, and um, I was uh, drinking one night because I was by myself, and it was like my buddy was like, "Go get drunk and have fun." So I took his advice. And I met this girl decked out in Calvin Klein and shit, and she was eyeballing the pickle. Like I would wear that, and I'm like. I don't have nothing in your country, and at the time I didn't have the site set up, but it was this realization that, like, yeah, it is like that. Literally, I'll go out and people will compliment my shirt. And the fir yeah. first thing I'm like, yo, yo, let me see that. Follow shit. the Insta. I got shirt, you. Man. Yeah. Holy shit, Holy that's shit, nice. Man. Look at that swag, man. That's all from his brain, man. Hmm. Yo, how much does that? How much does right? a shirt like that go for? So with one of these, I sell these for like seventy. This is an all-over print. He sold mad amounts too. Like he's like nah, he's like, B. I'm telling you, I would cop one of them if I was like, you know, I'm already in my head like, okay, one day I'm gonna have to get this shit. That's beautiful. So this is artwork from my first album, Mutilator, the red stuff, and then this is from Mutilator Two, the green stuff, and that was an exclusive hoodie, just celebrating the. Uh, I think it was like a uh, over. What was that? Like a 15-year anniversary or something like that. And then um, this one is I just this one is soil water. <laughs> this is the That's album nice that Hobson too. I just Holy put shit! Out. So like the yeah. album cover, the album covers on the back. Okay. Yeah, man, he's he's hustling. He's hustling all kinds of stuff, man. No, I love. I like the overall like aesthetic you like, have going on. Album covers. You have like a, you have like specific. Uh, you have like specific like a uh, like uh, the the fabric right too. Like you don't have this usual fabric right uh, box. Well, this, this spot does a does fucking. I can't remember the name of the. The fabric yeah. that they use, but <laughs> it's that comfortable. So this one was a graffiti alphabet that I did, and I just like, you know, mirrored it through the whole sh through the whole uh, design the template. And how do you get it done? Like you work with a local guy and you just kind of give him the design and he prints it? These ones I've done through Printful because they've got access to this cut and sew. Okay. And they, do, they do drop shipping like all over the world. So basically when you say cut yeah, and sew, dope. that means you can modify the actual design of the shirt. Like you, you, like you literally be designing fits. Well, no, nah, not necessarily like if I wanted a pocket on the sleeve or anything like that, they still give you a template of what to work with, but meaning that you can do the whole surface, like sleeves, okay. uh, cuffs. Um, so you're saying hood, from like a, you know. a print perspective, you have now the option 
because of how they make their clothes to design the entirety of the shirt rather than in this case where they clearly went Psh. yeah <clears throat> yep so they I, cut and sew the fabric with the design um lined up however you line it up on the template and then that's just the difference between like a screen printed design so this is also like you can wash this gang gang at times it's not gonna fade you know what i mean mm -hmm. as opposed to a, a screen print that'll crack and shit like that that's dry. fair just to be clear my shit's not the bad screen print it's whatever the fuck dtf is and i put these motherfuckers through the washing machine a whole bunch and they never cracked <laughs> shut up my pickle guy but <laughs> i don't think we're making it at that level but that's like the future yo because see what happens is you start getting into clothing making and you're like oh like everything else in life, there's a gajillion fucking companies, a gajillion fucking options, a gajillion fucking everythings, and ain't nobody telling you shit. <laughs> so it's like a, a big adventure. But oh, yeah. I do have to say Printify makes good school bags or backpacks. Like I got – because I, I copped a bag off a of homie. Uh, I don't know if you know Travis Bryant, beat a hoe, but like I, uh, I copped one of his bags like two, three years ago. That shit still be lasting. And then I saw it was the exact same bag on Printify. And I'm like, listen, if that motherfucker lasted like three years, I know this is a quality bag. <laughs> I'm going to fuck with this one. And then it's like, I don't know, man. The merch game is crazy. Because like, people don't necessarily want your music per se. But like they do want your branding if you do it right. Like, So I don't know what the Beataho version is. But if you can come up with some like icon symbol or story that you can tie into clothing boom it's over you just go around everywhere and have it in the trunk ready to go and people will cop it yeah, just do like e40 did man like e40 made he produced music then you just filled his fucking trunk with like a a thousand cds he sold those cds made two thousand made five thousand made ten thousand made twenty thousand and after that jive gave him a record deal and then he became a millionaire you know that's really what e40 did you know all his producers were all his friends all this all the features were his friends he just and when they got their first deal they, they bought studio equipment they bought like one hundred fifty thousand dollars with the studio equipment then they just produced the the, the he, I, he got like a three or four album deal with drive and he produced those albums like in the studio that, that they built but they, that guy was hustling for like maybe like eight years you know selling selling cds out the trunk man i mean even if you look at like most people's careers there's some kind of a story like that like look at tech nine like people people oh, tech encounter nine tech nine beast, like yeah. what 15 years into his career like people don't realize that like whenever ready comes Ill. out he was, he was that like was like his like 10th album was like it was but was like so it Ill. still was like there? a lot of or insane yo for me the, the the craziest example is always the insane clown posse whatever anyone thinks of their music their grind and hustle is remarkable because in the early 90s they managed to create an independent company and pull it off in an era where yeah. nobody was doing that shit really like yes a couple other people but nobody ever let icp into the game and they're still dropping music to this day and almost nobody in music has a career like that like they're fucking and one interesting of the most case enormous events they, yeah, they yeah, they put on such an enormous event and they have dope acts come through, you know what I mean? Like, they really found... I was, like, so sad to find out it's just...
pay to play and you're on the gathering of juggalos. I was like, oh, that's not as cool as I thought it would be. I guess that's how I'm going to go. It may not have always been like that. Who knows? But yeah. It's probably been like that for a minute. <laughs> no, I, I just produced a beat for King Gordy and Ill Temper. And those guys are like, those guys are like in the, uh, like, well, I don't want to uh, judge then, anybody, but I'm saying they're in the juggalo kind of, you know, market thing. King Gordy, he's from Detroit. He's like in, uh, he's in the, he's in a group with Bizarre from D12. And all I, that. I, yeah, I was like, I know him from Bizarre. He's like the other Bizarre. Yeah, well, well I just made the intro beat on their new album that's coming out. I think it's coming out in the month. You yeah, know, that's he just crazy. Did it the next day. Yeah, it's like an actual beat. They spit bars on it, but it's kind, of, it's kind of short. You know, it's like an intro beat. That's a wild connect, man. You are like one of them dudes that really have worked with a significant number of people, but nobody really knows who you are. Yeah, it's all right, man. I just feel blessed. Just working with the box guts to me is amazing. You know, it's like I just work with a lot of talented people, so I feel so blessed. It's like, there's like a million reasons not to not not to make music. You know, like uh, a billion reasons not to make music. You know. So I feel blessed. I can put, I can get these projects, and even people with like, uh, like Box Guts, like he's real regular, you know. Like me, deep down, I would have wanted to be like Box Guts and just be really regular with the releases. But like I, I chose to work with a lot of wrong people who just put, who just kept my music in computers and shit, and that never came out. And it was my fault, you know, because that's that's the that's the biggest thing. You have to know who's hungry who's not, who's energy stealing, who's really wants, you know, you got to figure all that shit out and nobody's going to tell you. People are going to tell you mad shit all the time that they're going to do videos with your beats and going to do albums. But a lot, a lot of the time, your music just stays in the computer somewhere and nobody gives a fuck about you, you know? But so, yo, so I think all those things are like shit you're, that's meant, you're meant to learn these things so. to build your armor iller so that you, because you have way bigger fish to fry in, the, in your future. And this stuff is just teaching you little by little how to do it. I know deal that, with that, like, there yeah. was that one it's just point. Shitty, in, though, it's like energy, you know? Sometimes. It's all about energy. Sometimes, like, for me at least, I want to act like I don't have moments where I haven't done that to people. But it, it kind of happened, like, um, especially once the interviews took off. Like, it just, my life changed crazy. And, like, there's one, two songs or it just never got finished. Somebody gave me the beat and it just kind of sat there and I felt bad. I feel there's one beat I feel bad to this day that I never wrote to. Actually, I wrote to it and then I lost my phone. I have to rewrite to it. But like, uh, it just never came out. Or this like one project that's just taken me like two years literally to do this project, which to me is insane when I think about like my past efficacy with like releasing music. And I'm not trying to defend anybody's intentions. And I think that the main thing people need to do is establish like proper communication flows with regards to like timelines and expectations. But I have definitely overpromised and underdelivered a few times in, in this. And I try to do it less, but you get excited, you hear some shit. Like currently I have like four fucking songs I gotta write in the next like month because I realized it's getting closer to when I said I would have everything done for. And it's like, I'm, I don't know. It's just depending on where you're at, sometimes it's easier to come through. Uh, and then sometimes yeah, it's harder. For me, it's like it's like if like, me. I'm talking about like project. I'm not talking about like one song. I, I really, right, I really right. don't care about like a song. I'm talking about like actually like, like seven, eight joints that I did, you know, with my father or whatever. And uh, for me, it's like it would just be anyone who's listening who makes beats, you know, say so you really gotta uh, you really gotta feel the pulse of people. Because some people, 
if they they do a lot of releases, then after that they slow down and say, and it's hard for you to know if they, you know. Like for me, like with box cuts, I know he's gonna do it. You know, because I know he, I know he has a lot of stuff going on, so it might take a while, but I know he's gonna do it. It's hard I think to it's know fair. if gonna do it. I I don't know that. It's hard it, to really like... know. And even with, like, that project where, like, it's taking me forever, I still started releasing songs off of it. And I, like, perform the songs. Like, it's not like it's neglected. It's just that the actual production of the album got slowed the fuck down. So, like, I don't know. I know that I've talked to a lot of beat makers in Montreal, and pretty much every beat maker in Montreal has that same complaint that you have. Like, I'm saying every beat maker has that complaint. <laughs> and, uh... I try to release as much as I can. Um, certain things require sound engineers, and sound engineers cost money. And for me, at least, that's always a blocker. So if my funds ain't right, uh, everything slows the fuck down in terms of making music. I don't know if Box Cuts mixes his own shit or... If mostly, yeah. I mostly mix my own stuff, and then if I need an extra hand, I have a couple people that I send out to or... No, Beat and I have found that using some of these e-mastering programs are even good for vocal mixes and stuff like that. You know, you send your acapella through, then the instrumental through, then put it together and send it and see how that gels. Now they have all the different features you can tinker with it. Mm. I suppose yeah, because Box really likes to sound like really raw too. He likes like raw music, you know. So that's what he tells me a lot. And uh, even if even if you want to invest like five stacks or something, he'd probably be like, nah, because. He likes the raw. He likes the raw. The yeah, I don't mean five stacks, but like I know for a fact that I'm not a talented enough engineer to make necessarily the quality of music I would like to make. I've gotten mediocre. Mediocre is the skill level I've achieved with my own self engineering. So it's like, eh. Bro, it's... I'm fucking horrible, man. Like I, I don't know anything, man. Like uh, I, I'm not better than you. That's for sure. But no, but at a certain point, and, and don't get me wrong, I released a lot of music that like I self-produced, but I had to sit back and think about the consequence of that, or was this the right choice, or, you know, at a certain point, you you hold, I don't know, you go through different journeys depends what with you this, want. right? Yeah. It depends what you want, yeah, depends what and, you want, because it's like... And I just use that shit to fuel my next moves, kind of like... Okay, if there's something that you listen to later and it's like, all right, I can do that better now and you like incorporate your growth into the next moves, then it just becomes like just stepping stools, you know? Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong. Because a like, lot of people like the raw. I, I feel like the longest I've gone without working on music is like three months. So I'm not trying to act like I've taken off like a crazy amount of time. But the last couple of months is just, you know, I'm in a position where, let's say, I had promised a song in February. That shit did not get made. <laughs> and it was, like, the first time that really happened to me. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's where we're at now. So I have this, like, new empathy to, like, the overwhelming nature of balance and trying to stay balanced with it because it's, like, my career elevated a little bit. I'm not trying to act like I'm special or cool. But I went up a little bit on this ladder of shit and it got way harder and then as you go up the ladder it's a new game of balance and a new game of balance and then you have to like figure out how to juggle everything and now i'm starting to get my equilibrium again so it's like okay now i'm able to like start focusing and doing what i gotta do and then it'll get harder and harder so like i don't know i could just see how some people end up in places where they get slow in life um but I also understand where you're coming from because if you put all that effort into it, then fundamentally you want to see the results of that. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, the good thing about doing the absolute best you can every time, too, at least that's the policy I try to go for, is like do my absolute best that I can each time from the rhymes to the recording to the mixes to the master of getting the project to be how the the, the intended vision, get it as close to that as possible, do the absolute best you can. And then where you see the parts that are like, maybe some time passes and you feel like you've, you've grown from there. You just grab, just put the energy moving forward rather than like, oh, yeah. oh man, you know, fuck, I don't know. No, I feel like this. Sorry, then, then after that, like you can, you can realize like 20 years later that MF Doom made Doomsday in like an, in like an apartment with no shower, you know, on like a, a portable, like that, whatever, I don't, I don't know what gear he had. Some guy touched it up after, you know, Bobito like touched it up. But I mean, the album was recorded on like, you know what I'm saying? That's one of the best albums, you know, in that genre that was ever made, you know, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it kind of questions your whole outlook too, you know? Because you're right I mean, too, you need, to, you need an engineer, you know? But it's like, so like, look, I, I have that raw sound per se, but personally, I find that when you're playing that next to engineered raw sounds, there's something to having somebody that knows what they're doing. Like my shit oh, yeah. is artifact. Oh. My shit's more like I slid the loud up. Whereas other people's shits like they did things to it. And you can hear that difference a little bit too clear on good headphones. My shit found, sound fine on your phone. My shit don't sound fine on like fucking headphone headphones. And I think that's like really the problem. Like you can't really play the stuff I mix myself in the club or the car. And that's not a good that's not a good experience. Oh, they even they even said that when the Beatles recorded albums they would have like they record like all the, the, the musicians at the same time on mad mics and it's like now they would be like, Yo, we do you need to have one mic for you know, like the new you know, so it's like it's a mind fuck when you think about it, really. You know? Make an yeah, album but- 40 years ago that sounds better than an album today and they had they were dealing with different with like shitty gear you know it, it, i'm just saying it's like yeah you, you gotta keep well, they were like your, your mind shitty open, you know, different gear right like like they weren't using like like my gear is magically good for the environment it's not like like the gear that they had was shit it was just bigger and clunkier and like really expensive but it was really good gear <laughs> like yeah. They, look at they, Madlib. They, look at Madlib. He said he didn't want anyone, any any engineers to touch his music anymore. Madlib, Madlib is his music is mad like uh, mad raw, you know. But it's but so he dope, also he, he knows how to like do his own mixing to a degree, yeah. right? Like I'm just saying, I'm not like an yeah. engineer like that. I'm a, I learned a lot Neither. over COVID, just based on like, look, like I did a bit of voiceover shit, so I learned like one tool about how to kind of sort of bullshit EQ. So I know how to kind of sort of clean up the EQ a little bit. And I have like a reverb preset and I have like a compressor preset and I never even change these settings. They just stay the same and I never change them. And I just have have the EQ that I adjust slightly. And then sometimes I add a delay and sometimes I don't add a delay, but I don't really know how to configure the delay. So I just add the delay and then I take it off if I don't like what it sounds like. Bro, it's like to learn how to go through all that engineering for me sounds miserable, <laughs> to be honest with you. 
But me, me, and me and Box, we don't like. Uh, we're not. We don't pretend to be engineers. Nothing like that. We just like. We just do it. We just get it done. We listen to it in the car. Listen to it like we sent. Like we ask people to like hear it and say it, tell us what they think about it. And but our vision is just is just to keep it raw. We don't. We don't want something that's too clean and too perfect too. You know. So mm. that's that's everyone's different. Everyone wants a different sound. You know. So say it's some like I like the real I got yeah. some EDM and giants where like they kind of gotta sound a little clean, yeah. clean. Oh no, I understand exactly what you're saying, though, bro. But it's like sometimes people they they they, they just don't want to. Uh, they just want it to stay like uh, simple, you know, simple in, in in the mix, you know. You know what I'm saying? But but it does. But but everything you're saying too makes a lot of sense. Like when you have the engineer that knows how to work with the raw. Like for instance, even Hobbs doesn't consider himself an engineer. But I was able to take my mixes vocally as far as I could. And then when I would give them to him, you can tell on Royal Water the the difference of the cleanliness of the vocals. But it still preserves the rawness of my voice. So it's like there's just people yeah. who know how to pull out yeah. certain things. Like you're trying to, to have like, it. to me, like a raw aesthetic, but actually cleaning up the vocals so that you can hear what I'm saying better. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. hundred percent, bro. Like I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and I don't know how to do that part and like while I could like again I could learn maybe but I think it's just smarter to focus on the things I'm good at and in life like apparently I can write blogs so like I'm gonna put time into that more than I'm gonna learn how to be my own sound engineer right now because by writing blogs I'm gonna get bags and by bags I get the sound engineer so it all comes to the same place it's back I'll never be a sound engineer like I'll never do that I'll never be a sound engineer but if a sound engineer shows up and is like, Beautiful, I love your shit. I will put up with all the beautifulness. Let's go. Let me help I you. I would love that. I would love See? that, bro. But I mean, I will never be an engineer. Like, I accepted a long time ago that I'm, I'm simple. I just make the beat. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not a... I don't, I don't wear many hats. I wear one hat, and that's, that, mm. that, that's perfect for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would never do that. Oh, engineering is mad complicated. It's like school and shit. And like, uh, yo, if you if you have like Puff Daddy's engineer coming by the studio, that guy will like he will alter your sound to make it play on the radio. And you know, it's like that's crazy, man. Like, uh, yeah, I got to interview right. one your, your of Puff Daddy's is, engineers. So you're right. Yo, bro, I would, I would, man, I would be like, I would. Be yeah, like it's not even an exaggeration. This dude Nunzio is part of fucking. Um, the bad boy house or whatever their studio in the 90s was and he was dead ass like a engineer on like some of these really classic joints that we all know from that era and i got to interview him and it was like a super pleasure but again he taught me he taught me a lot about um the arrogance of rappers because like when you're in the studio what you're doing is you're creating um a presentation almost it's more like a powerpoint than it is like like a fucking raw experience as much as it's a raw experience and so like he he was like the dumbest shit i ever saw is how rappers never punch in and how rappers always got to run it from the top and like you know fucking puff daddy's engineer is telling me that rappers are idiots for not punching in it's like a big lesson for me right because this guy's worked with the best and uh it just got in my head about how like as, as like artists sometimes we look at that kind of side of it really different but professionally it's about creating the best product possible i don't know you, you mentioned puff daddy's engineer and all that popped into my head yeah i feel but. like uh i feel like like uh i'm gonna stop talking about box cuts but i feel like some people like box cuts or like me like we like to do uh like stuff like different no, i want to say different but 
it's like sometimes it's like you're supposed to do this and do it this way and it makes sense and it's smart to do like that but sometimes you come across people like me or like box guts who are just Mm. you know it's something exact like the whole different way and we're just we're just having fun with it and doing it you know so it's like because there's no there's no there's no like there's no like rules you know to the game you know you can yo you can do whatever you want it's like using everything we know you know what i mean it's like that's it and hey, maybe in, in maybe in a year or two, some guy is gonna offer me. Dougie's gonna he say, "Hey, I want to engineer your product." And maybe we'll say yes. You know who knows? I mean, uh, I'm just saying. It's like now in the moment. Now it's like we both have uh, families. We both have responsibilities. So we're we're just we're doing our best. But we got other shit that that needs to be done. You know, like like every sec every second of the day. You know, you know. So say like we're mad like you, like you. You're busy too. We're all busy. You know. So say like, trying to just figure you know? out how to make our shit pop off. Yeah, because what, what me and Boxfits do is that we just learn how to, like, canalize the energy. Because once you know how to use the energy, then after that, you can do you can do things with it. So it's like me and him have just been on the quest to, like, to really know how to, like, do, like, uh, to do music in our own way. But, like, uh, uh, be effective. Like, let's say some guy would reach to me and be like, I want an album. Like, I could, I could probably do an EP, let's say, or five joints, I'd probably be able to make it in a week, you know, because over the years I've learned how to do these things. Mm. Box cuts as well. He he can do a song, you know, tonight, you know, if he, if, he, if the energy is right, you know. So it's like that's what we're doing. It's like we're really just like uh, cl- uh, like uh, learning the skill so that we can just pull it off, you know, fast and easy, and do some dope shit, you know. That's and, the way. And I everything facilitated too, you know. Like so, for me, I had to learn videos and teaching myself to edit it. And getting, you know, just try to make them tighter and better, trying more things. I accept that they're not perfect. They're a work in progress, but I'm also using them, mm. doing them on the fly. And like, let's get these things out. Let's let's teach ourselves yeah, how to do these shit. things so we don't have to rely on so many people in their timelines. If you if you send uh, uh, box cuts like if, like you know whatever his rate is he'll he'll do you he'll do like a really dope song for you you know in like a two or three days you know so that's what we're really learning is how to canalize that energy so that or one if it. I'm yeah if I'm on it that day and I'm not working on something I might just do it that day you know a lot of times I like to bang it out sooner the better but if say for instance like you wanted to lock in on a project I had two others in focus in front of me that one needed to be finished and another one was requiring a lot of communication to keep going so it's like i'm i'm really dedicating so much time to what's already in play that i have to hold the beats down from you because they're fire and i want to do it but i'm like please be patient i can't do this right now it might even Mm -hmm. be a month and you were mad cool about it because i think in this case it was more than a month you know and it's like that's that's the way I see it is like all the people that are winning and all that in the game like they're all like massive energy uh no, that's fair their, their, their creative I just, energy uh, well. I definitely like just pivoted putting my energy into live performances and being out in the scene like that more than in the creation phase but I also just ran through like I don't know I did a lot of music two years prior to this I did a lot of music so now I'm like well I should probably promote my music <laughs> Which is really like a thing that uh, at some point you realize you can keep making music, but maybe one or two of these songs you should like focus on and like actually introduce to audiences and yeah. like this fucking lose weight joint. People walk up to me now and they don't say hi. 
they go, lose weight, motherfucker. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, people just say hi or, like, they call me the pickle guy now and all this other shit. And I'm like, yo, there's actually bags attached to some of this shit out here. So it's like, at least for me, I'm a little bit motivated by, like, just trying to increase the funding level. Because, like, maybe everyone got their funding unlocked, but when your funding's not unlocked, I'm just like, I'm just trying to pivot to that because traveling is killing me. Traveling is killing me right now. I got to go to New York in May. That's at least a rack. Why? Because weed's fucking expensive in New York. <clears throat> um, and then, like, back <laughs> into... It's true. It's like, you can get better deals than I did last time, but holy fuck, expect to pay, like, three times what you pay here. Um, then, like, you know, going to Toronto, that's another bit, you know. Like, this shit just adds up, and then that's the only, that's not the end of it. Then you, you do well there, so guess what happens? You're invited back in three weeks. So then that's more, and now I'm like, oh, shit. Like, do I really have the money to be like, nah. So, like, I have to start to figure out how to, like, take what I've done, make some money on it so I can then flip it back into the creation process and make it more exciting. Otherwise, my songs are honestly just going to be the same bullshit because there's not enough change. Yo, bro, my my wife's sister, if she sells houses in France and... uh you got offered to be on a TV show with people who sell houses and it cost her something like 20, 25 racks, you know? And she did it. It cost her 25, 20 or 25 racks. Then it cost her about two racks a month just to go to pa- Paris every every month and, and film. Major investment, my bro. And it's like, who knows if it's going to pay off or not, you know? She, like, I'm going to That's a crazy experience. She's no, on TV a- now, you know, every month. But I mean, it, it, dreams cost money, bro. That that's the way. And she I'm goes. completely with with you with that. Yeah. Like, I, I once I started taking that side of it seriously, like I know there's there's areas where we talk pay to play and it's all goofy and shit and it's a keyword lately. But like end of the day, like everything that you do, like if you okay, like the way I see at least being the like rapper guy is like you're kind of an influencer figure your role is to come up with interesting shit to say and then you should probably be doing interesting shit when you're not saying interesting shit otherwise it's harder to get people to like want to support you right like skills and talents is cool but when we're talking like communities and bigger picture shit so like you have to kind of be kind of interesting so that when people fund yeah, you, you like, got to capture their interest or give them value for some form of either if it's entertainment or you're blessing them with something you, you know they need to be addicted to what you got and like so like to to build all that up you know like that's where the investment comes to me like it's it's, it's just it's just because like you're talking with two two rebel dudes two music rebel dudes too and it's like we both have houses we both have uh you know cars whatever we both have shit that we need to pay too you know so say like it depends how bad you want the dream me my dream is just to be with and me and the uh, box cuts like uh, our, we're family dudes, so it's like uh, th- that shit mm. comes. That shit's very important to us too. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like I'd rather invest to go to Thailand for eight months than to give it to like some Spotify guy for to be on the list. You know what I'm saying? So it depends what you want. You know, Bro, I don't even think you, I ever want, paid a you know? Spotify guy one time to be on the list, but yeah. I do okay, but have to that, that could pay a lot. Of, a lot of people's so gas money. A lot of a lot of guys money. No, you shouldn't do that I though. Do that. I just went to a whole ass like talk. No, but I went to like a, a whole like talk with industry folk and if you do that, 
you you have like okay like so the playlist is funny right let's say you go on the playlist and nobody like your song on the playlist and they keep skipping over you you're basically telling the algorithm your song is trash so like if you're on the wrong playlists you're actually shooting yourself in the foot it's not even like an effective strategy it's only good to playlist if like your song makes sense on a playlist so that when people bump the shit they bump the shit yeah. otherwise it's not actually like good anyway my point is even with none of that shit paying for food in other cities is expensive is what i'm learning it's not even right. the fucking music cost it's the like yeah. life costs of traveling that are fucking expensive <laughs> Oh, I just I spent to... six months, four months in France, man. You know, that, that cost me a lot of money, my man, you know? I was what brought you to France? Emotional shit, you know? I, yeah, I was on some living life shit, you know? So that that's mad expensive, you know? I'm I, like, I, trying to live my best life, you know? And it's like, uh, I'd rather say, keep that money for me and have fun, you know? I'm not going to pay some guy, you know? But that, that's because me, I don't give a fuck about all that stuff. But I mean, everyone's different. Everyone wants different things, you know what I'm saying? We're that's also in different want. roles, right? Um, So like... As a beat maker, like, look, I know I could sell verses and shit, but, like, you're going to be able to spread a lot more music, I think, in a different way than I can. And as a as a guy who gets on stages and shit, my main income comes from getting on those stages and flipping clothing and shit like that is what I'm understanding. So, like, it's just different hustles to kind of get to that same place where I, uh, at least that's the version I'm chasing because low-key, I want to travel. Like, I just, I enjoy it. I love, like, I, like, yo, the other Sunday when we went to Vermont, that was crazy fun for me. It was like I woke up, got in a car, next thing you know, in Vermont, passing the shittiest, smallest border I've ever seen in my life, discovering that Vermont's premium weed is expensive, and then came back home and shit. But that's a whole adventure. That shit's cool to me. All we got to do is attach a bag to that, and it's a fucking great day. <clears throat> And that's basically where I'm get, trying to get to. So, you know, by writing a blog, by doing this, now at least if you bring me there, you get a little press. You get a little something, a one-two yeah. that, like, adds yeah. to the value. And wherever I value. go, yeah. I can just get on a stage and freestyle or whatever, whatever. So, like, to me, that's the, the quest. Uh, and that's that's the grind. And so it's like, once that's in place, okay, cool, I can go back to focusing on making music. But real talk, I don't think enough rappers focus on how to make money in the game period so we all make all the music and then then what yeah but it's hard to know what what people are making because look at people like box guts he makes revenues like he, he makes actual revenues with music okay and with art so it's hard to know how much people make but it's like me i don't make anything man i don't give a fuck i have other sources of money so i'm all right you know i don't give a fuck about all that shit but some people do care and some people do chase it you know me i just awesome. love music so I, some I just people just need those sources of revenue right and then right. there's people like uh, boxers who make serious revenues and who actually like makes money from music, you know. So, so I I stood all that shit, man. Like I, I really so box guy, how, how would you go about making money in music as like an advice point? So like to the people out there that want to make money, like what's the best way to approach this shit? I think what you're doing is definitely, man. It's like the more ways you can make yourself valuable. So say if you're if 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 you got a spot to record, you can charge for studio time. If you um, can get on shows where you get paid, if you... Do you have a lot of have, shows that pay you in Vermont? This is my first one coming up, and I don't believe it's a paid thing. And um, I'm okay with that. 
You know what I mean? I, I, I'm doing my first one amongst some people that I just met, and I feel like I, I want to rock. I didn't even ask for I didn't even ask for dough. And usually the times when I have is when I'm traveling somewhere. But even like crossing the border, sometimes me coming up to Montreal, I just want to come up. You know what I mean? But sometimes, yeah, especially now, I've really got to consider how much I'm putting out versus how much I'm going to get back with merch. But that's really a great way. For me, I do the art myself, so I'm not outsourcing and having to pay for an artist. But if you've got a homie that does art or something like that, maybe you could trade something. No, like no, that. my homie, my homie Drew is my pickle guy. Like I got a pickle drawer guy. Exactly. So it's like I, I definitely <laughs> recommend learning multiple skills within what you love. Like if you can learn to edit videos and shit like that. So you just have other things that you can provide as services that really helps and mm -hmm. man grind your ass off see what what it is that people are gravitating towards that you do and so you have the publishing you, too you have publishing too right like you get the publishing uh, checks here and there and uh, do that as well he has a lot of songs his discography is very long so it's like what he basically does is he all his songs he puts them on a, he, he, they're published right so it's like a Word. They say Bandcamp is just like a tiny little uh, offset of like his publishing is like, uh, how, how can you explain it, Doug? Like it's like, it's all, it's not just like. Well, you register everything you do, you know what I mean? Like just so anytime you perform anything, you get your royalties for that. Anytime so, any of your so stuff is played. So, so, okay, like I discovered in Canada, like getting that performance bag is a little bit harder than mm -hmm. it might think because nobody pays the fees. So like, like uh, I don't know how it works in the states. So I I can't really speak to that. But in Canada we got SoCan, right? So like whatever yep. show you're going to, I pinky swear promise you, Google in that venue, ain't nobody paid the fees on that SoCan. That show is not getting registered on no fucking index, and nobody's getting that performance bag off of it. And it's only like a certain tier. Like I think this festival I got booked for will actually show up, and I'll get that performance bag for once. But, like, so that's crazy. Like, in the States, though, is it, like, every time you perform, it just is like that no matter where? I believe you would have to register it yourself, the, the show. So, like, I just did a show in Vermont that was really small scale and et cetera. Like, is there rules about how to do that show? <laughs> that's a damn good question. Especially it was, it was a free event though, so I don't know like how. No, I think I'm with BMI as my like American representative. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think with BMI you can enter all that stuff yourself. That's super nifty. Yeah, I'm a uh, box user. He's like a. What's your, what's your publishing again? You, I remember you told me what it was. I'm with BMI as well. Yeah, and he has like a, a lot of songs. Like his. So how, like, here's the thing. How many songs do you have? Are you, are you like at like 200 songs or something? Maybe even more. Oh maybe? man, I definitely got more than that. So I'm. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> know if that. So let's see. Crazy, if right? someone had hit me up recently, and it might have been before Royal Water Drop, and told me I had 54 projects out, and I'm thinking, so eight times 24. That's Hot Breath Boy series. That's what. That's about. That's over like. 170 joints right there right and then multiple albums that are over 10 songs long and then eps in there i really don't know how many songs i've done man i i don't i don't but 
So I know that I did about 200 songs. I signed up for all the fucking publishing shit. And I got a fat ass, nobody used your shit in anything. And I was like, ouch. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened to me too. So that's why I'm saying like, that's why personally I'm on this different grind. It's like big respect that you got picked up for sinking shit. You are doing something I'm doing wrong and you're doing it right is how I look at that shit. But um, I haven't figured out how to get more love. So, except to like leave Montreal and go do things outside of Montreal because but you also traveled a lot too so even in your story right like you lived in seven major cities or maybe seven cities we'll say including fucking Brooklyn so it's like I don't know I think there's something to moving around and shit so it's like I'm just trying to catch up on that front like I, I, how do I not know people in Toronto it's like fucking five and a half hours away and shit and I don't know people there that's a big mistake for me so it's like by rectifying that, building up clout. Plus, every time I leave Montreal, motherfuckers here start paying more attention to everything I do. Mm. Even if it's for like three days. I get like a good two or three days of people caring more. So it's oh, just not. Oxford sells art as well. Like he, he does like, a, he, he like a manufactures mm. his, his art too. So it's like he got the two revenues. You know, like the, Yo, the I see the art money. Does the art pay yeah, better so. than the music? The art can pay like bigger chunks at times, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, the, I'm trying to merge the two. So, you know what I mean? I incorporate as much as the art into the music, but say if a painting sells, that's more than $6,000 or something, that's definitely going to probably make more than say an album drop within like, you know, there's just bigger chunks come in with with larger so like pieces bigger, of art, but larger less art frequent. Oh, Box, tell me, tell me about your art that made it on the comedy. What, what channel was your art again? It was on what show? Oh, uh, does that Cartoon Network? Is every time? Yes. Yeah. I had done. Has, the artwork is on the cartoon. Was on the show on the Cartoon Network. That's just well, it was, for, it was for shorts, so it was like um, little commercial breaks where they play maybe like a little beat from like, you know, like a Dilla beat or something like that. And then flash like Scooby-Doo on at 7 p.m. or something like that. And I would do paintings of, I did, I think maybe 12 to 15 of their characters. And uh, I was allowed to kind of do, just rock them in my style, but couldn't like disfigure them or make them too weird. You know, that like it could get weird, but like, they couldn't be like f- too fucked up, you know. So I did like a, a grip of those images. I think they were in the Cartoon Network uh, offices. The actual paintings when I went, maybe like five, maybe even ten years ago. But yeah, man, that was a dope project. That was a lot of fun. Yo, that's wild. Yo, I gotta say, Beatleho being is being the ultimate hype man for you. He'd be like, nah, these are all the things that Boxcarts is not talking about that you should be talking about. Because he's right. Pretty much everything he's asked you on is some shit you probably should have brought up. Because, you know, Boxcarts has a, it's like me, he has a young child. So it's like he's putting in those hours. So it's like just being here and talking is like, it's just like a lot of energy because he's probably like, you know, like with his son, you know, doing mad shit or whatever, like. When you have kids, everything changes, man. It's like everything is just different now. You know what I'm saying? So it's like sometimes you forget mad shit. Sometimes you're on it. Sometimes you know. 
Mm. I'm just reminding him because I saw I saw the work. I saw the work that he did, you know. So it's oh, easy man, for me to say. It's a good look, bro. I appreciate that. Hell yeah. That's that's like that's major moves too. It's like the, no, it is. people like, underestimate the, the art game, but I mean, yo, if if you like get meals in the art game, that's that's huge, man. Like that's like a big potential too, you know. He's always I mean, doing the covers for his music, so it's like it helps too, like get you know, so people can see, you know. Well, then it also helps you sell the merch to your your own shit, right? Because like, yeah, that I mean, most, my, most and my connection to merch. it, I'm able to talk about it in such a way, and then they see it through my music. They see that I'm painting the way that I rhyme. You know what I mean? So it connects it all, and they're like, ah. I think that's this is what I am meant to do. You know what I mean? I I feel it as I am able to present both at once. That it's like here, you know. That I can, I, this is as much as of me as I can give visually and audio. This is. Yeah, do you Yo, think my favorite cover that you did was for Low Deck, man. The deprogrammer. That's so ill, man. Like that uh, cover? That's what's up. That that was his idea. He had like sent me a graffiti piece he wanted a mescalito like a dude with the mescaline head it's uh i think maybe like something you're supposed to see on mescaline or something like one of those kind of like uh messenger type dudes and um yeah so he just like had long hands swirling into like cactuses and cactuses flying around i did like a graffiti thing that says deprogrammer across the stomach and he's like in a floating meditating position and shit his head's a big mescaline Mescaline cactus, yeah, that that was fun to do that shit. Oh, that that's, that's your favorite one, though. Yeah, well, I mean, I, there's probably a lot that I haven't seen, you know. But I mean, that's the one that really stood out to me. The, the colors, because I, I like that. I like the green, the green too, you know. Hmm. Yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, do you find uh, do you find being in Vermont now like is an advantageous thing to your career, or is it harder than New York? That's a good question. Um, I think it, it because I'm 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 able to zone in and focus more, and also because when I was living in Brooklyn, I also had a job that I was working part time. That was like something that would give gave me a ton of time to still create. I mean, it rarely demanded much hours, and it took care of everything. It's like kind of like how, what made living out here be possible. But now. It's all relying on music and art. And so that really pushed me to turn what I'm doing into more of a business, right? Like selling more clothing, more prints, more art related stuff. And so I'm just, it's still part of that journey where I'm just learning and learning and trying to make it grow and grow. Mm. So you would say that definitely focusing on the retail side is a big like thing everybody should probably focus on. <clears throat> Ah, it just depends on your audience. Because for me, it works as if they like the artwork, then boom, you can rock it if you don't want to buy the print or maybe there is a print. But having something that people can rock and rep and that they're happy to do it, you know what I mean? Visually, I think shirts are good. I think sweatshirts are good. Um, I always see that mugs sell great, but I haven't tried that. <laughs> yeah, um... I did make one. <laughs> what? You got the pickle mugs? Yeah, how how are those doing? Uh, I, I don't know how to price them right. Because uh, the reality is with this shit, um, the, the site I'm using, 
so it's it's pretty dope in the states because you got a lot of shit set up in the states but because it's canada it's like this mug costs four u.s dollars to make and like 10 to ship or some shit so like it's almost 20 bucks canadian for them so i have to like sell it at like 25 to like even make something in my opinion and there's no fucking point so nobody want to spend 25 dollars on a mug so i have to figure out how to sell a batch of mugs so at least then you'll spend like 40 bucks for four mugs or something and you'll feel better about it because the shipping cost isn't going to change it's just the mug price goes up so i can afford to like price it different but i don't know I'm really like fascinated by like the fact that you can just get your shit put on shoes. And I'm like, I bought my first pair of pickle shoes and I'm not like, they're okay. They're super not comfortable. Like you compare a Nikes to like the pickle shoes and Nobby, the Nikes is what you want to wear. But then you low key want to wear your own brand because that's just fucking hard. So like I now have uncomfortable shoes with my pickle on them. Yo, bro, they, they invest, like, billions of dollars in marketing, you know? It's, like, crazy, man, you know? Nah, but I got the Air Force Valentine's. Not fucking comfortable as fuck, though. Like, really, yeah. like, really good shoe. Like, dead awesome as far as just general shoe quality goes. <laughs> man, I haven't popped a pair of Air Force in a long time. Long time. I remember, man, in the, in the 90s, they were heavy. Like the bottoms of them were always real heavy, um, but I still I have them, man. I like yeah, I save some. I just know that I didn't get them because they were Air Forces. I got them because they go with the red and the pink. I tend to play to, and I'm like, damn, one pair of shoes for both color schemes. This is fucking perfect. And uh, Paul Wall complimented how my shoes match my sweater, so I felt like I did something right in life. because oh, that was that right. was like a highlight of that moment for me and uh otherwise i forgot to take a picture with dude and everything <laughs> but i got that memory um have you ever like opened for people like that or like gone through that circuit or performing for, for i wouldn't say paul wall i mean for like me dope shows. yeah hell yeah i mean okay so dope shows for me were like boot camp click tame one uh keith murray Jay with the damage, uh, uh, Smith and Wesson. Yeah. So I mean, I already said boot camp quick, but in that health of skeleton was there. Right. Um, so we have rock and rock, uh, you got to, like, open for these folk. What's up? Did you get to open for them or like you were just out? Yeah. The shows? Yeah. Part of the same showcases. Um, that's super hard. Sway Seva, uh, poison pin, fast air, uh, Holy Damn. shit, man. Sounds like you could not get the like, kill doing an opening for these guys. Nah. There's so many openings. Nah, not even. So, I, I mean, I was, I, met, I was out in my, because my man is Dutch Vega, who I do a show with. So I got connected to Poison Patton through him. And right. uh, so I got to interview Sway. But now they're all like pretty chill in like the shows and shit. Like it's not, it's not what it used to be before the CCTV era. Yeah, but if you if you come up there and it's like and you're not and they're not feeling you, they're gonna they're gonna tell you, you know, it's like. Well, you they, just gotta... I mean, if, if Fox if, if Fox Gus was like uh, if he if he would like perform like that 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 just shows how how ill of a artist mm. he is because it's like 
a lot of people would just go on that stage and they would, you know, they would just <laughs> they'd do the 180 degrees and they would just get the fuck out, you know. That's like, those artists are I huge I see what you're saying. No, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Man, this, I could keep going on with the list, you know what I mean? Like, definitely rocked with a lot of incredible names that I respect a lot. I mean, it's always right. dope experiences. Those those helped, you know, they're like confidence builders too because when you rock in, in, in showcases with those guys and you do your thing and you're getting dapped up, it's just like, yeah, I mean, that feeling can't it's validation, be. validation, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely at an early stage of progression as well. I got to experience a lot of those dope shows um, in Brooklyn or in New York City in general. But also when I would go on the West Coast for tour, artists like 2Max, getting on shows with 2Max, nasty. Never had seen him live before. Seen him live the first time. It was like, that's fucking sick. Um, yeah, see, man. You got... See, even this man's just traveling for the game. It's what it is when you're a rapper. See, beat a hoe, it's a different game when you're a rapper to a beat maker life. Super no, different game. This guy is it, this guy is a traveling man, man. Like I, I like if I call him or talk to him, he might be like, you know, in Atlanta or he might be like in Soviet. Like, yo, where you at? This guy is a traveling man, man. No, I respect that hustle. Like I I spent too much of my career in Montreal until I learned how important it was to leave Montreal. <clears throat> And uh, that's crazy. So you lived in Brooklyn and open for people, but Brooklyn's cool. Like I, I can't say like I've spent a crazy amount of time there, but when I was just in Brooklyn in January, and like Rod Digger was doing one of those showcases for free and shit, and I got to this oh, like head on, head on over so to dope, a Rod fucking Digger. Rod Digger show. Young Z's in the crowd next to me just mashing me and young z and i'm like this is like crazy shit right because like that doesn't really happen in, in like fucking st laurent street that often and then uh you know i copped the fucking sweater off of young z because i'm like well i mean i'm fucking here i may as well and it was just like crazy and then the the later on that week i saw poison pen and swave seba and then i'll do the end of the week thing and it was just like it's crazy talent and a lot of like dope experiences where that's why I was kind of curious about the New York versus Vermont thing, because, like, sometimes in Montreal, it'd be like we have crazy showcases, but we don't have, like, the poison pens in them pulling up at our showcases. I think them, I think they do come up here, honestly. I don't know them specifically, but, right, right. like, names that I do see on showcases, I see Capadonna, I see Inspector Deck, I see familiar names where I want to go to the shows, you know what I mean? And it's it's dope to see that. Um, I mean, they come to Vermont, now, I mean? What's that? You mean saying they go to Vermont? Yeah, they come to Vermont. They come mm. to Vermont. There's a, it's like Vermont, something barn I see is Zen Barn, maybe, is, is putting, puts on shows with larger names that I've seen. Um, but yeah, this is 2023 is like my first time getting out and socializing and peeping these shows and I've only been to two so far so this right. this Thursday will be the third one where I'll actually be rocking I did freestyle at the other shows but nah but this is like actually doing your thing yeah that's a crazy thought I never considered that we could go to like upstate New York or Vermont and fucking rap for opening for people upstate is dope too I did a lot of shows upstate man motherfuckers get down 
Uh, Albany is good. Is good if you want to go further upstate. You got all types of places. I want to go further upstate, bro, because I'm already further upstate. Like I'm just upstate. That's right. Like for me, it's like south, right? So like like Plattsburgh is a lot closer than say everything else. Mm-hmm. And it, just because like again, I went to Vermont for the first time, and I'm like, wow, this was easier. It's harder to go to Toronto than it is to go to Plattsburgh. And then my man so like, yo, yo. Is, is is Vermont the state where you're not allowed to have anal sex? Because I remember I went on a trip with my wife and I saw that in one of those states. I forget which one it was. Was it Vermont? I have no idea. I will okay, Google it was that. One of those states it's worth it. It was clearly written that you're not you're not allowed to have any like sodomy or whatever. Like it. it was clearly written where like on a, on a well, street. It was, it was right when I was. <coughs> you so are correct. You are not allowed to have anal sex in Vermont, and if you get caught, you can any prosecute. Yeah, it is Vermont. There you go. Really? I remember uh, I was in Vermont, and I just looked at a sign somewhere, and it said that I thought it was a joke, and I told my wife that I was like, they must be kidding. We googled it, and it was the truth that you can actually go, you can actually get like a go to jail for for sodomy. Yeah, sodomy. sodomy. It is. It is uh-huh. a fact that it, anal sex in Vermont is a punishable crime. Should someone choose to punish you for it, <laughs> like imagine that's how you get back at the ops. Like you call up the lawyer and be like, "Broski, I'll give you five k. Man's be fucking his wife in the ass. Done." So. <laughs> Could it I'm be good. that simple? That you simple? know, you know, it's it's a strange country. <laughs> It's Man, a strange is, world. I mean, I'm sure you'd have to find a lawyer that would do it, and that might be the hard part. <clears throat> but uh, any prosecutor can take on the anal sex claim, according to that one article I looked at right in fast. In Vermont. In Vermont. In Vermont. Right? In Vermont. So if you go to Albany, don't fuck nobody in the ass. Go to Plattsburgh and fuck people <laughs> in the ass. <laughs> oh, no, Albany's in New York. I'm at Burlington. Yeah, I wonder how, like... I wonder if it's like consensual, if if you can still get caught up, if it's consensual, you know, that's what I wonder. Or like, I wonder if there's like a trap where like you do that shit and then the girl turns on you. (laughs) Like, and then she can ask you for money, right? Then she can ask you for the five stacks. That's crazy. Yeah, my man Soleim got booked in this small town in upstate New York to do a hip hop class because, like, for them. It's a Montreal rapper coming to upstate New York and like nobody from New York City or whatever is going that far upstate for that shit. So like I was like, damn, there's like this whole other world out there. So like I'm like low key glad like you're here from Vermont and shit being like, hey, there's this whole other side of shit popping off like Capadonna comes up here. And I'm like, damn, Burlington's like not far. Like realistically, you could go there in a weekend from Montreal and like I guess you're about to basically do the other version of that and come up here and uh when are you when are you coming up here you said two weeks yeah i'm gonna the show's on the friday the 24th Mm, fair from yes friday the 24th at uh 180g cafe and how did you get set up with that the dude marrow uh Let's see, Homie has produced an album for me called Mirage from the Gondola. And we had stayed in touch, and he was looking to do a show out in Vermont and needed a quick turnaround. And I was telling him I kind of just got my feet wet out here and was like, 
I had waited like two months, no, maybe three months to get on a show. So I was thinking, man, holler at me later when I got out and like felt things out a little better, established more connects. And he's like, said, it's all good that uh, his homie could probably maybe pull something. And then turned out his homie couldn't, but he said, I got something in Montreal. And I was like, oh, well, shit, if you're asking me for shows, cool if I ask you for a show. And he's like, yeah, 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 come through. So that was a good look. And I was just like, all right, fuck it. I'm going get to that, get that going. The one thing I was going to ask you is, do you know about bringing merch across the border? Yo, we are facing the same problem here, right? Because we ain't really coming on work permits. <laughs> so, oh, um, yo, you know what? You know what? I forgot to tell you this, the box. When I went to the states a few years ago, they caught they caught me up at the the border. They didn't let they didn't let me in. I, fortunately, I don't have a criminal record or anything like that. But they did find CDs in my car, and they, they told me I forgot to tell you this the other day. I'm sorry. They said we think that you're coming here to sell CDs, and I was like, I was like, listen, I I must have sold like three cds and like you know in like uh seven years of making music obviously you guys are, are wrong yeah but we found the cds had like these no it's really like it. that so yeah, like let's say like 15 cds i had 15 cds that they gave it to me like, they're just in my whip i never took them out so like it's and, uh, kind of like one of them things where i think the smart choice is to find a local distributor like let's say you wanted to do a merch run and you wanted to do it limited, you'd find somebody up here. Like, I put you in touch with my guy. You do, like, a, a 10, 20 shirt run with him, right? He can do black and white, like, mad quick. And uh, <clears throat> then you just pick it up when you get here, and you kind of dodge that in the same way I would want to find somebody in the States where I could kind of set up a similar situation. Because, like, when I, I went down to the border by bus, and... Um, my bag smelled like weed and the dogs had a field day so they literally searched all my shit and like i'm not saying that's gonna happen to you but like you don't know what might trigger a search and it's really hard to explain why you have 10 shirts with the same logo on it and then you are on a flyer here and so you have to keep that in mind that like you already kind of have to tell them you're coming up here to rap for free so like when we went to vermont my dude tells him we're coming to rap for free and he's like what you guys are fucking dumb. You could see it in his face that the border guy was like, you guys are fucking dumb. Yeah, but and who I'm cares like, what he thinks? Fuck him, you know? You care what he thinks because he has to let you in the country. So you no, yeah. no, you're right. You're right. But I mean, if he has just No, but then we were like, <laughs> we explained like, look, broski, this is a marketing stunt for us. We're coming down to rap for free. We're not getting paid, nothing like that. But uh, it makes us look cool at home. And he was like, damn y'all canadians is wild coming to vermont <laughs> but like he let us through you could see all that in his face but like and but like yeah it's kind of it's kind of like that so i would not risk the merch because then if you get dinged that's every time you cross the border for the rest of your life and then yeah, my I, box guns, yeah. you can just I put like, the shirts put like 15 shirts on you of the same shirt Nah, but like, for I real, think like, I'm just gonna try and keep it as legit as possible. I might even call them ahead of time to figure out what I got to do, so I nah, can just uh, trust your your real best bet is to find a distributor up here and and just kind of have a person up here run that side for you, because like you don't want to deal with work visas and taxes and all of that shit, right? Like nobody want to deal I, with I, that. I, I think taxes is more the one, yeah, because if to my understanding, you don't need work visas to just come over for. Uh, a performance right. <clears throat> but there might be something tax related so that's i'm just that's saying like it, it makes it harder to get across the border and so like 
my experience with this is just limited, but I started asking questions because I'm now facing these these hurdles is like, if you can figure out somebody here, like, I don't know how many shirts you're going to sell at this show, but given what I Googled, it's probably like, what, 10, 15 max, you know? And then you find somebody here who stashes your merch. And then the next time you're back yeah. up here, you grab it. And then you just kind of work that out. And then you have somebody who like, you know, it's like, like let's say you're like, broski, keep a box of merch over here. And I can keep a box of my merch at your crib. Like, you know, it's these kinds of situations yeah, yeah. that help us all like. Yeah, that's do smart. Because yeah. like, to me, that's just advantageous. Or something. Yeah. I, uh, that that yeah. might be problematic because now you have customs that are going to check your box oh, possibly right. and shit, right? So like really the idea is is you send the bread, pay the man's here, he prints the shirts, I take them and put them in my room. I got you on that front. And then I we find your guy down there, <clears throat> reverse the process. Then none of us have to cross borders with nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that kind of a pipeline is like how I want to approach merch in the States. Cause that's definitely, is, that's a good way to do it, man. It's just, that way you don't have to travel with any. Of and nobody wants to travel with it. Nah, know, that's a whole extra fucking bag for like, not shit. You're going to actually wear. That's not fun. Shit. Have you been involved in the New York art scene at all? Have I been involved in what? Like the New York, uh, graffiti mural scenes and all that shit. I wouldn't say involved in the mural scenes, but I painted with a lot of really dope writers out there. And we, we had done hit walls together and shit like that. Like some really dope artists have asked, asked me to do stuff with them and a lot of stuff I would just do on my own. But um, yeah, yeah, I met, I met amazing fucking graffiti writers while I was in New York. Absolutely, absolutely. They, they were... Um, Man, it's a thick batch because you got a ton of people who grew up there who are just nasty and have kept the traditional style and had their own flair. And then you have a lot of out-of-town influence coming from everywhere in the fucking world. You know what I mean? It's just... I mean, I sort of know what you mean. I've I've been to New York City all the three times, but I thought I understood what, like, the graffiti art scene was like based... Because, like, I like what Montreal brings to the table. And there are, like, small, tiny pockets in Montreal that are, like, super fire. Then you realize that New York is just at a level that we do not touch. It is madness. Then we're talking, like, legal, illegal. It doesn't matter. Even the sticker game is ridiculous. I don't know if you ever did the sticker game. I I don't know if I would say I did the sticker game, but I've done a grip of stickers because I first, like, I would just do a bunch of postal slaps and then, um, you know, drawing when I'm not out writing. And then I do so much like painting inside on canvases that whenever someone would give me a sticker, I would just take like whatever paint color was a little left over. Just, you know, like a, not not like someone's sticker with their hand style, but like a Whole Foods or some shit sticker, you know, just blah. And then I come back with Marco over that. Or uh, I had a friend who has a vinyl die cutter. And so he would make ill vinyl die cuts of vectors of my tags and shit like that. Because uh, mm. I would do logos for his crew. But yeah, man. I, Hold I up. You like, you like made the logos for other... You get, you get into the logo game because you're a writer like that. And so people want your hand style and 
and that's like a whole business thing. Yeah, no. Often it'll just. I did a lot for crew. You know what I mean. I did a lot for crew. Um, because we all kind of took care of each other in different ways, getting each other shows, uh, right. hooking each other up with producers, shit like that. Being able to provide the graphics, you know, if it's something that I know I can handle and somebody needs it, and it and it won't take too much time, and I just get get a homie on the, on the strength. Uh, but then, yeah, I would provide that also as a service logos. Did you ever like get into like making comics or any of that kind of shit? I uh, when I was probably let's see. In Atlanta, we had something called middle school, right? And it's when it's like between, it's like when you're about to get into high school. Right. Um, I would try and draw comics with friends, but I had one friend who was just so damn good that it almost made it like we got to find the, my, my other friend and I who who would draw comics. Like, man, we got to find our own shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like this one dude was just such on another level that it was like, oh damn, at that age. Uh, and I never really got further into comics, maybe doing like one strip for an assignment in college, but that was it. Right. So basically you just kind of focus with like where the music took you and like, do you feel like being involved in the art world has helped build on the music thing? Cause like personally, I only recently started caring about the art world, like the visual side of it. Like I started going to a couple of events where there's live painters and I'm realizing this is whole ass other community that doesn't make music, but is basically on a similar kind of hustle. And do you find like being in both these communities just increases the access you have to things? Absolutely. Definitely. Uh, a lot of times people who will even go to galleries are people who like to go out so they know a lot of places where people are gathering and other places where hip-hop nights are out and stuff like that but in general the art audiences like to be entertained you know what i mean they like they like to soak something in uh mm. So, so I guess if you're already it. making art there, they're going to come let you rap before they'll let me come rap. <clears throat> In some cases, yeah. Kind of like, oh, you know, let's hear what you do. And then, oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, um, yeah I'm not sure if I answered that right. No, nah, it I... makes sense. I mean, just the end of the day, like, you can meet more people. And, I mean, ultimately, you're going to sell more art doing the art thing so it fundamentally helps fuel it all um is there like kind of like where do you see your career going now so like you're at the point where you're hustling clothes and stuff you're a family guy like you've done a bunch of you know performing around different places and whatnot how do you see like the next couple of years playing out for you with this post-pandemic universe i see It's there's like a metamorphosis taking place with what I, everything I'm doing from music to art because it's being treated a little more as a business, more so so that this is the thing that is my sole source to provide for myself and my family and to maintain the lifestyle. So that's given me business to learn. 
in a whole different way. And I'm seeing it already start to play out into how I conduct myself now and how I present music and art. And I'm, I'm watching the things go into fruition. So I'm just going through the mo uh, movements of putting everything that I believe I'm learning into, into practice as much as possible and being as active in learning to uh, just keep pushing the things forward to make more to generate more revenue, really, honestly, to support the needs of the of the family and then finding what I can do to give back beyond just the music that I'm giving and the art that I'm giving. I'm looking to find ways to provide more value, not just because of the monetary sense of it, but because I think now nah, maybe more so maybe more so for the monetary sense of it because like, right it's like i want to act like this is about the community is like nah, i want to make that bread <laughs> right i mean when it comes down to that because for art i is is like i don't want to cater it to anybody but i want to learn how to to take what i do and present it to make more money with it if that makes sense you know what no, i mean totally like i don't sense that's why i started blogging I'm like, look, <laughs> end of the day, you got to do some sellouty shit, right? And I'm not really personally at a point where I know that I'm willing to make music that may be as marketable as other such things. But the people that like what I do fucks with what I do. So it's really right. just a matter of finding your tribe and shit. So I and then think you don't ever have to sell out as long as you're not doing something that's not you. Right, you know so, what it's like, but it works out that I could write a mean ass blog that is completely in the vein of what people expect from a blog. So it's like, all of a sudden, I'm way more marketable, in a sense, because, um, like, well, I feel like my blog articles are more marketable than say my music or even this interview show. Like, it's cool. I haven't figured it out how to do like the polish or any of the things to like fully take it to the next level. But like, yo, the blog shit's easy. I just already did that for like work and shit. So like you start looking at it like that, but then it's going to force me to start looking at the rest of my life. Okay. Well, if I do it like that over here and it ties it in, but it allows me to communicate with more people in a vaster way, in a more digestible way. And Let's say it takes a thousand people to even click on one next thing. I'm more likely to get that thousand people by having this more like, let's call it sellouty version of what I do. Because to me, this blog shit's just like, how can I make clickbait? Mm. Still be authentic, but make some fucking clickbait for once. Because like often I'm not making clickbait in my career. I'm trying to make some shit. We need some clickbait in our careers to really get that like virality and buzz up in order to get like a lot more organic attention like there are a lot of other ways to do it but i mean it's been proven that a catchy thumbnail and a good title will in fact mean a better click-through rate and you can't like rewrite humanity i mean i think just putting your own aesthetic into everything begins to generate a pattern that people either like what they're seeing or they're not and then you learn to adjust that because that might be signs where of where you need a improvement whatever feedback you're getting right 
Right. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it's just like, but like you were just saying before, like you kind of have to get like more vast with like reaching people and it just kind of made me realize yeah. that that's kind of like where the blogging is for me and like i guess uh to bring it somewhere have you ever like considered the tiktoks it's I know funny that, because that that's one of those... might not be a tiktok guy mr mask up but weirdly with the mask up you on tiktok oof you're gonna go hard with the kids right beta I, don't know to, I don't even know how to like use tiktok you know you, you just it. you just yeah. need to find yourself a 20 year old and you are good. But you know what? You know what? You know what, man? It's like, like that's why I like I like your persona because you're trying to figure it out, you know. And I I respect that shit because you're very open minded this... and you 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 you're kind of like trying a few things just to see what the outcomes are, you know. And I I find that's I think you just you got a little hustle in you, so I think that's a good thing, man. I salute that shit, you know. I mean, Word you gotta up. find value, but also like. I'm I'm just trying not to be dumb about it. Like, look, <laughs> on TikTok, um, you can do things. It, it's the only social media app where it's cheaper to market to women. All right, like yeah. I'm gonna be real. Every other platform, it costs more money to market to women, but TikTok because there's more women. So now it costs more money to market to men. Basic supply yeah. and demand shits. So like, um. Yo, you start putting your little videos on. So I have like 30 fucking concert performances. You know, if I slice them up and it's just constantly me jumping around. Like, yeah, it's it's boring. I don't think any of that's interesting. But like, I pop off a bunch of them videos. I'll get booked more because it looks hard. And like, yo, like, take the shit. So Bidaho goes on with his mask and he goes boop, 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 whatever. And then I make my little stitch free, freestyle and my little freestyle. You know, like, it's almost like interacting in this, like, content community shit that the kids is really into. But what's really oh, important is bro. the kids is really into it. And that's let, interesting let me, to me. Yeah. Let me explain this for the people who are going to watch this. I, I, I used to go to the gym a lot, okay, uh, for maybe, like, four or five years straight, you know, like, uh, every day almost, you know. And I would do the same fucking thing every day. And then my wife came in with me one day. She said, yo, you're doing this all fucking wrong, guy. Like, workout you're doing is just you're not doing anything right and it's just not it's not i know you're saying that for music and what you're saying makes sense don't be dumb about it you gotta figure shit out you know it depends what you want it depends what you want you know for me i just wanted to go to the gym because i wanted my heart to work better and my my lungs to you know mm. i didn't go because i wanted to be a fucking buff guy in the gym you know what i'm saying i, I don't want to be a star you know but it depends what you want you know if you want to make revenue want to have music you know it's, it's all in the percent you know the way you perceive what you want you know Word yeah, up. i think you're chasing you're chasing that big bag my man so I'm not, yo, I'm, not, it, man. I'm not even chasing the big bag i'm chasing the mediocre like 1500k a year just off a of music bag like shit pay for my cost bag no like 50k a year 50 to 100k That's a, year. a lot of money my man 50k is a lot of money man it's 50k is okay 50k okay. like uh it, it's all relative for somebody it could be a lot for somebody it could be a, a little i mean um, i live in montreal it's it's getting to not be a lot you think <laughs> um you things think, like, are changing making uh 50, you're talking about 50k before taxes or what like so yeah before taxes, taxes after taxes yeah. probably like 37 38 37 yeah 
I mean, look, it's not it's like not, bad. Not a, yo, man, that, that's a house. That, that's 20% of like a... Of like no, a, it's a good amount. So like to me, it's like if I can pull that off of music, because I already spend a lot on music, it'll be yeah. like even more for me. Because like, believe it or not, I'm actually just used to living way below like what I make because so much yeah. goes into this shit. But I would also like to make enough that instead of paying for this shit, this shit pays me. That would oh, be super bro, beautiful. My, uh, my, my sister uh, uh, has a is, has a boyfriend and he went back to school like later in life, you know. And uh, he met this young kid. He was 18 years old. And he said he made $30,000 uh, last year selling beats. I was like, fuck, you know, that, that's a lot of money, you know, like to sell beats. That's, that's Yo, that, money, that is. And, uh, so if I could make like. Quebec City. That guy was that's in Quebec hard. City. So I, I, I never knew who what his name was. I wish I, I did like that, man, you know. If you did really you like, like I didn't, yeah, I didn't get a chance to know. I didn't ask him who the, what the guy's name was. I don't hmm. even know what type of beats. I mean, make. like I the truth is, music. like if you want to sell like beats like that, and you put out, you have the catalog of beats like that. At the end of the day, it's a marketing game. Then it's it's connecting your beats with people with enough frequency that they want to copy it. Like there's certain rules to that where you can do it authentic to yourself. That's why there's like a hundred ways to get to the goal, but. There are certain compromises you might have to make. Like, like it's probably not a bad idea to have a TikTok if you want to sell beats. Yeah, I know. That's why everything everything you said tonight, to me, it makes perfect sense. And you, you think this is like, yo, music- even like with like a guy like you who want to stay anonymous, right? Like, you can just have your picture of like your... Because your, I think you do a lot of the drum shits, right? So you just have the fucking pad there and then just your finger. And you can put a glove on it. Now your finger's not even there. And that's all you need to do a TikTok. Or in like um Boxka's situation, broski man, if you make art on camera, it's done. That shit that's pays. Like my homie's been he's been paid commissions because of like the art he's put online and shit. So like then you like make the commission piece, you film it with your phone, you speed yeah. it up like sixteen times or whatever, that's oh. your TikTok shit like that boom 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 and now like motherfuckers really geek on that shit so like it's just using the tools right and ignoring the dumb shit that comes with it like i'm not saying go on tiktok and dance i'm saying go on tiktok and leverage the tools to promote music better so would you would you like if we gave you money would you do that for like would you do that yes 100 percent. not even a fucking question how much would you charge per video we would figure out how does this shit work we would figure out a rate that makes sense for the volume of work. Like, I don't want to fully have minimal, that. Con- what would be like the minimal like bag that you would ask for? I don't know, thirty for thirty. Like a startup, for like a TikTok startup. No, for me, it's more like I do shit like that at like thirty, thirty-five an hour, depending on who and what. And so it's how many hours a week am I dedicating to your project? And then within that time frame, we establish what can be done. So it's more like th- who's going to do what. Well, anyway, it's like we would figure out the logistics, right? Um, and then uh, like, okay. am I doing content? Are you guys creating it? Who's outsourcing it? That like, So it's a bigger conversation. But the answer to your question is, yeah, it's totally what I freelance is content management and that kind of shit. Like, oh, that's, that's the partly... future, my man. That's the future right there. Because like, to me, that's it's good. like guys like you need the discipline of being told what to do and maybe some logistics but like dead ass if somebody teaches you how to like if you came i hung out with you for an hour i'll teach you how to fucking tiktok um but like 
like we go through the process you you embrace it but like nah for real because like you're making beats right like i've seen some crazy interesting niches and shit and that's what i understand how to do is to look at situations and niche it up and like find ways to like storytell it that's how we landed on the pickles it was very clear to me that this pickles thing was gonna be hard and nobody else was touching it it was just clear as day do i like being the pickle guy no but i like selling pickle shit that's i love pickles man Yo, like I love, I love having pickles in my hamburgers, man. You know, I, I'm a I do not guy. like it. I'm not even a pickle guy. I'm like a not I'm pickle. A, I'm a pickle guy for real. Yeah. That's why we made a shirt where the pickle guy is like really happy, and then this one is the dead pickle where he's not happy for the people that don't like pickles. And then we're working on the third pickle, which is both the pickles put together <laughs> in like a Frankenstein kind of way, because motherfuckers will then hit you with the, I like pickles, but I don't like them on sandwiches, but I like them on chicken burgers, but I don't like them over here. And, and those motherfuckers is confused, so they're going to get both the pickles, because that's their answer. It's both of them. Yo, shout out to my man, Ill Temper. He made a song that went viral, and it's called, uh, it's called Gram- Gra- Grandma Sex, and he found something a song that had nobody had content on before i think i heard king that gordy. shit king gordy the guy who's bizarre's best friend or whatever song exploded my man and he just talk about having sex with no it's called period sex and all songs they're talking about like uh i'm gonna fuck you on your you know you're on your period girl you know so just like really like deranged psychotic sexual period i man. know this song yes that's my man that's old temper that's what i'm talking about that's what I was talking about, Doug. Uh, a box that I, w- I want you to jump on. That song nah, blew up, man. It's with King Gordy. The thing is, is like, yeah, that's a more extreme that's example, the thing but you found something that nobody. Yeah, was that's what we're trying to do. So when you're in like TikTok land, you're doing one of two things. Like you're either trying to play to what's popping. So like if you're doing art, like I honestly would play to what's popping because it's really easy and you're already gonna make bread. If you're not playing to what's popping, then you get really creative. But end of the day, like. If you're filming all the content and we work it out, it's not it, like I know how to like, you know, make sure it goes out on time. <laughs> like that would be like basically what my value would be in that kind of a situation. But I, like, I wish I wish uh, I wish I would have like uh, done all this stuff before. But it's like at this point now, I don't think I'll, I don't think I could because uh, uh, I'm just like stupid like that. You know, like I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Man, I just maybe. like music. I like to listen to music. Like music saved my life, man. Pretty, pretty much, you know. So it's like if I get a chance to contribute with somebody, that's dope to me. That's to me, that's like the dopest part, you know. But if like, you in a place, this, where... I, yeah, we just did a, an, a like a, a a project, and I was like, Foxcats uh, is going to release it on his Spotify because I don't give a fuck about that shit. You know, that's just like meaningless to me. You know, and uh, that's what I usually do all the time. You know, because it's like don't care for me that's like it's just fun for me to make music you know and uh, so it's like like i was saying everybody's different everyone's chasing something something different because we're all different humans you know right i understand what you say what you say makes sense but it's also like just on that point like currently i lost my job a couple months ago so everything i'm going to talk about until like my financial situation is as blessed as i would like it to be again is going to be how can i make bread and everything else is kind of less important because there will come a day where i run out of money and that day will be bad so before that day comes i need to solve that problem when that day is done watch how i'm all like let's do some bohemian shit because i'm not broke right now (laughs) and like so like it like just where you're at in life can highly impact your goals but 
this is the first period of my life where I haven't had to like quote unquote go to an office place at nine o'clock in the morning for the last three months and that has been like a palate cleanser to like figuring out what I want to do with my life and there's a lot of hustles out there so like yo I would much rather help beat a hoe make thirty thousand dollars a year with social media than go to work you know like oh yo are you cool are you cool with like t saying your prices like on your show or you'd rather like not for real I, like at this point like it's really more of an hourly thing for the most part like there's a couple of things you do, we have to figure do you do, like, out hourly pack hour like hour packaging like how, how do you uh negotiate honestly i have to like really see what you want specifically so it'd have to be like so like i would say on average i'd do some shit for like 30 an hour like 30 an hour I, okay and uh what would be the minimum amount of, of hour, uh, hours that you would do i don't know i'm probably make it three hours a week would make it more worth the time to like block that out and figure it out but then it also depends on what you want and can we like because yo like i'm also not trying to like rob people here so like if we talk about this shit which probably better off cam i'm like establish yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. what the fuck you're looking for can i provide value like homegirl hit me with a project and i'm like listen i can provide you this value and then it makes sense so like unless i can actually do something for you it doesn't make sense but like if we talk about it you're like this is the plan it's going to take six months this that the next thing and if you stick to this you'll see the returns and you're on board and you want to do it because that's the other part sometimes people widely like like the idea but don't want to actually do it so like, what would be like the minimum amount of money that you would take for like a monthly pay I don't care if you would do like you know five six hours a month. I don't I don't I don't expect you to do fucking like a, a thousand. That's a hard like man. It's a hard question to answer. Like are you, I would yeah. take the most money I can get for what makes yeah. sense for a project. <laughs> but like to baseline it for like the average person, I would say I'm worth like thirty. Like I was making more than thirty dollars an hour corporate. So there's no way I'm gonna like go move on my skill set for like less than thirty because like I just did a lot. I've fucked up so much that I could tell you how to not fuck up in ways that YouTube is not telling you. <laughs> like I don't know how I, I mean, still like I mean, put I that. See, I see the clips that you made. I mean, they they're dope. No, it's not whack. That's for sure. I, I saw the so, clips like, that you made. We learned how to, like I I've learned how to pick the clips better. Yeah. Like I to identify things and like I learned a lot about the clickbait of it all. That's why I like the blog titles are kind of like what they are now. And like you don't know if I'm gonna write about you in my blog, but I'm gonna write about a bunch of Montreal people in my blog. Yeah. You don't know if I'm gonna write about you, and maybe I write about box cuts. You never know. It might just be a throw. It'll probably be a throwaway <laughs> sentence in a blog unrelated to anything, and that's where like you start coming up with these hooks. So now people get it gets it's like this shit's all like wrestling. The entire music game, the entire content game, it's like fucking the WWE. They're like one of the best at creating hype for fucking nonsense. I love it. And you have to like tap into that world and it's all storytelling. So like if you're trying to push Beatoho, you gotta figure out like a couple of hooks like you would do in a song for your TikToks and shit, stuff that's true to you. It's like shit, maybe it's a stinger that flashes up, beat a hoe. You know, like maybe you're saying it in a way and just like there's these little things you do that increases the likelihood of somebody coming back and then following your shit. And then like if you're a beat maker, half of what your job is going to be is videos where I can't do this part. You would have to do it is you being like. <laughs> 
Yo, I don't think I can do that. I don't have the NPC anymore, man. Maybe I can. Hey, maybe I can have like a fake I'm, I'm, NPC. I'm, <laughs> you, yo, you could. You could totally. Nobody says it, and it could be like Beataho becomes a collective idea for camera, and you really yo, do you I just can get do your... this and, you, and I can just pretend <laughs> to make sounds and shit. Yo, that's, that's, no, but that's that that's so exactly what you're doing for some of these videos. You already anyway. So like we would go through like yeah, some of it's really weird. Like guys are pretending like they're banging out to shit because yeah, the whole every point. Time I see like a beat making video. I always see the guy's neck like this. Because hey, the hey, idea is, is is because like, like what's supposed to happen next is I'm the rapper and I'm gonna take your shit and do the little the stitch thing, and I'm gonna come spit my bars and you look like you're just banging out to my fucking bars no matter what they are. And so it's like you create this experience and then, I mean, there's a lot of rappers that do this shit. I did like one of them because it was about pickles and like, come on, if it's about pickles, I can't, then I, I got to jump in that shit. Yo, this man's in Quebec Yo, is making the fucking pickle if I, beats. If I were to like offer you, uh, if I, because I know, I know that you, you're, you're like a uh, box guts and you want, you know, you, you charge for your work and I understand that, you know, but, uh, you want to make a pickle beat with me? Yeah, we can figure out everything, my G. <laughs> okay, because uh, I'd be interested in that. Just, just like a, a beat that would like like work in clubs and shit, you know? Something something, uh, something like funky, you know? Yeah, I'm with that shit. Because, yo, dead ass, like, I think this pickle <laughs> shit is so stupid, but it's sexual. So because go. of you that, it works in a lot more environment. I have a, anyway, it's way, it's a deeper topic than I ever thought it would be. But I learned a lot about the phallic nature of pickles because, you know, cucumbers be used for what they used for sometimes. I make that shit up. It's a, it's a, it's a whole thing. Oh, and man, a that's pickle crazy, man, is just a cucumber, uh, is it not? A lot of the times I noticed that I'm wrong a lot, but that's the first thing I thought when I saw your whole pickle thing. I was like, yo, this guy just randomly chose this. He's just pushing it hard, but it wasn't intentional. It was like it just that's the feeling I got. It's like it's like an experiment that you're doing. Nah, it came up. It's a whole organic story, cause that's no, why no, no, it's no, working. No. I believe, I believe the story. Yeah, sorry, that's not what I meant. But I'm saying that it's like, uh, it's just the like way you're put, you're pushing a campaign, and it's like you're you're experimenting it while you're doing it. But yeah, everything about this is a giant experiment, but it just kind of came about because people started the experiment. Though people said, "I'm gonna piss you off and tag you in pickle shit," and I said, "Okay," and I didn't care at first, but the tenth time it happened, I said. What happens if I share it? So I shared the first one, and then they fucking just keep coming. I'm sure I got tagged in pickle shit today. I'm sure of it. Yo, what BPMs do you like? Like faster shit. I'm like well, more. Do you know on... like a specific BPM? Nah. Um, probably in the 80, 90 range, more than the 70 89? range. 80, okay. 80 to 90 ish. Like, like my lose weight beats at 161, so that's like as 80. Like, you know, more on the faster side of what people do than the slower side. I'm trying to make people dance. So, like, I fuck with, like, I think 120, 140. Like, these are, like, the more dance rhythm sections. So, like, if you're really trying to make some club shit, I'd play in the more upbeat, up-tempo. Like, we could bounce. Because I'd be jumping and shit on stage. I'd be, like, trying to, like, move around. And so... Yeah. I don't want to just be like another rapper that does this. Like, there's a lot of people who don't do what I'm doing. So I'm just trying to play to what I like. Plus, I like punk music too. Punk music is one of my favorite genres. I just, you know, ended up over on this side. But 
I'm into dance music. I'm into all kinds of shit. And so, like, if the beat is, like, upbeat for me, though, oh, man, it just makes me want to move and shit. Those are the best. Because I got into dancing. I, got, I like to get sturdy sometimes. I'm very white about it is how they've told it to me, but I like to get sturdy still. So, like, you know, shit that makes me want to bop around. And then what I notice is that it makes the crowd want to move. And I want to be, like, I want my shit to get taken by, like, rave DJs and remixed and played at events that I'm too high to rap at. I don't really do drugs like that, but, like, that's what I would love to see happen. Because, like, I, I got to perform at a rave, like, freestyling shit, and it's not that fun because the sound systems are not good for that. But, like... Hearing my music in that environment would be so hard. Pump and dunk, heavy bump. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like the future is really bright with a lot of this shit. Um, oh, maybe yeah. we could do that. We could do like a. We could work on the song, but like while everybody's watching, like. I, you can do like a Twitch Absolutely. or whatever and be like, yo, those drums yo, are whack. Okay, believe it or not. That's how the pickle shit came to be. It all started with a song I freestyled on Twitch. Nice. Dead ass. And it's like a, a Vincent Price was there and he was like, you can't, you can't make this song. And I said, fuck you. And I made the song. And then we started performing the song and I would bring pickle chips to like the show. And when we did the song, I would take the bag of pickle chips and just like, fuck all of you and throw pickle chips into the crowd. And then... Yo, like, you just saw it. You saw people react. Like, DJ Blaster lost his shit over it. Multiple people were losing their shit over the... I got That's booed. one hell of a DJ, man. That guy's so ill. My God, he's... Yo, DJ Blaster ran my track back the other night. For the first time in my life, a DJ ran my track back and made me rap it again because my man's brought strippers on stage, and, well, it just worked out really well. And so, Blaster, you heard the horror well, you know, noise. What? That helps. When you get women dancing on the stage, that helps, too. You know, that's good. That's a good one. <sighs> Did a dope show in Kansas City with the pole on the stage and like maybe five or six girls dancing. That shit, that show was good, man. Crowd reacted very, very well to that. And having it juxtaposed with people performing was perfect. I did not yeah. know how to behave with the stripper in front of me. I look awkward as fuck. I can tell you that much. But that's oh, shout I, out was... to Chuggo, my man Chuggo. He's the he's he's the one with the strippers, man. Bro. Chuggo. Chuggo is the most interesting character to me because oh, bro, that's, that's I do know who Chuggo is. And Chuggo and I have exchanged positive messages. Um, I think Chuggo's diss song that he made against other battle rappers about how they're all irrelevant has-beens is one of the most hilarious and entertaining diss songs I've ever heard in my life. I think his Facebook campaigns for like Black History Month and Canadian history and shit are super cool. And I literally don't know where he came from in my life. He just appeared on Facebook one day. I'll never hear anybody mention this dude's name. And this this would be well, the that, first that time Chuggos came up. He's a Toronto legend, man. And uh, just for anyone watching this, I helped him rescue his dog from dog prison. <laughs> Wait, what? How, what's dog yeah, prison? His dog, uh, his dog was in dog prison for a psych evaluation. And, uh, yeah... I was, that's doing a, massive, I was doing that's massive hot yoga at the time. I was doing a lot of hot yoga. And he said I was the only one of his friends that he knew that was awake like at 8 in the morning because I was doing my yoga, my hot yoga in the morning. 
he and we went to we went to Longueuil and uh, we 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 tried to we tried to take his dog out. We we actually like succeeded. Or I don't know if I, if we tried to to bail him out and then he went and bailed the dog out later. I think uh, that was the story. Like yo, Peter Ho, come pick me up. We're gonna go break my dog out of dog prison. <laughs> That's crazy. That guy is the funniest guy. One of the funniest guys I've ever met, man. I honestly would love to have a conversation on camera with that dude. Um, I think he's got more knowledge. That guy's mad like, elusive though. Like he'll he'll dip out, he'll dip in, he'll he'll leave, he'll come back. He, he's a like he moves a lot too. You know, like I remember, like uh, he he kind of reminds me a bit of me. <laughs> just up and about, you know, like just like he likes to live in different places and. You know. Mad humble, I mad mean, humble dude, man. Mad humble, and that guy's crazy with the hands too, man. Like, uh, remember he showed me a, a fight diary, man. That's, that's the first human I've ever met who showed me a fight diary. See, that's what makes me want to sit there and have a conversation with Chago. But also, mad he's elusive. nice with the bars. I mean, yeah, that's fair. And with the battle raps, yeah. But like, I still have like like this wish list because like listen for me the biggest motivation like as much as I want to be a rap superstar and shit I actually really want to write books about like all this shit okay like I know it sounds crazy but like we capture in like oral testimonies and histories and I don't see a lot of people that are motivated by the same things I'm motivated by which is like the history of it all I actually like I just want to be like like I'd be reading <clears throat> books that are oral testimonies of people and shit like it's such an interesting genre and stuff and like the story of my city's English hip hop scene is not captured properly anywhere like you don't know it unless you were there and you know it unless you know the characters and they've told you about it and even then Many of the characters are elusive as fuck and it's hard to, like, get the story. Anyway, so, like, I just think that, like, it's important to have people like Chuggo who clearly care that much about the history and what happened and putting emphasis on all the key figures out there because otherwise guys like me have no chance of piecing together the fucking puzzle. So I just have a lot of respect for that dude. Like, a lot oh, of respect. Chuggo is, is a fucking legend. And uh, he made an AO box because he made an album. He came out of Toronto. He Pumpkinhead was on it. Uh, Immortal Technique was on it. I gotta check his shit. Yeah, he rocked shows in the states. He did it your way. The same thing. He did shows. With, he got validated by mad people that were like, like same thing as you, man. Like he he opened for a lot of people and he shared the stage with a lot of people and he got validated that way. Same thing as you. He didn't That's get no twi Twitter validation. Like he got a real life in a show validation with people. Word you know, up. And in, in, in Cyprus. I'm gonna that. lie. Like, I that want guy, both of them. That guy <laughs> just went. He just had the. He had like they said it was the worst video in Canada's history. It was uh, what's it called again? Uh, yo, yo, you you don't know this video? I don't know. Uh, not that fucking fucking guy. What's it? One second, Chago. Oh, when he's walking around with like a skull on the, on a stick, you never seen it? I don't oh, think man. so, man. That's Akamon. not bringing it up. Is it Akamon? Oh, fucking guy. It's been, yeah. It was voted the worst video in Canadian history. Well, I found it on YouTube. <laughs> oh, yo, please watch that shit. 
I'm going to watch it after that, and I'll let you know what I think about it. But I'm happy that you put me on to that, because I like watching terrible music videos. Oh, this video it... box, you got to watch it, man. It's it's just it's just so dope, but it's so terrible at the same time, you know? And it's called Ah Fucking Guy? Yes. It's called Ah, no, it's called Ah Come On. Ah Come On, yeah, and um, it's like these real cinematographers who made the video. Like, they, they, they just did what he asked, so it was completely... What he asked for was completely crazy, you know, so they just did their best. So they made the video he wanted and yeah. it came out how and it they, came they out. They said that like, the video was co- was constantly being uh, delayed because of like prostitutes and strippers and like, like this guy was like the street life extreme, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh... And you spell it D-H-U-G-G-O? Yeah, yeah. like like it's yeah. like that. I'm gonna <clears throat> but now nah, that's like, I'm going to definitely check that out. Um, no man, I, I I chilled with this guy for a few months. I, I'd go see him for a few months and uh, for music related reasons, you know. And man, he really surprised me because like a lot of you know people would talk a bit bad about him, you know, like yo watch out, like he, he got hands on him, like you know he could. He was really he was really nice to me, man, and uh, we chopped it up and we had we had a blast, man. I mean, I've learned to make friends with plenty of people who got hands on them. I just don't do yeah. shit that gets me punched in the face very often neither me too i don't look for but i'm just saying that people would be like yo watch out like they'll just smack you or what you know with you know with this or that nobody smacks me because like i don't look like i'm a smackable i feel like people know i'm not gonna hit you back and i might just go like yeah but you can always run into like some guy who's got issues and thinks that you're satan or something and he'll fucking stab you you know so you gotta still you gotta watch out sometimes too you know I suppose that's a fact that does happen, but I'm um, just look at, the, my... look at the look at the journal, look at the look at the journal de Montreal, the price. You see shit like that all the time, man. I know, but like, I also lived here my whole life and have not been yeah, stabbed you're yet. You're right. Statistically so. speaking, you're right. It's like I mean, it's, I wildly it's, it's don't walk around my city going, "Oh shit, someone's gonna be high on some crazy drugs <laughs> and stab me or something." That is not really what i think about so my wife tells me all the time and i and i always say listen like we need to have like hunting guns you know in the house because just in case something happens no broski that shit was like okay that's some country shit and i respect it but i'm in montreal bro you don't want to have the people that be living here strapped it's not the same like the level of common sense in a city is dumb so you'd have a bunch of dumb fuckers (laughs) being strapped it would it's to me not necessary here like the people who need that shit already got that shit everyone else does not need that shit it's different here did did, did you see that shit like uh you know i don't want to glorify anything but i mean i saw this week in the in the paper man like some 39 year old girl stabbed her four-year-old daughter to death 80 times with two knives happened in montreal uh, oh that's crazy man shit that happens a lot you know but, but you're right, statistically there. speaking. But like it's like it's we live in a city there. where just on island, like two million people live here. If you include like the Laval and the South Shore and shit, it's like four million people that pass through Montreal every day, kind of thing. That's yeah. like a lot of people. You're gonna figure that with the bad because like you gotta keep in mind, our government and our society does not put a lot of emphasis on effective mental health care resources <laughs> or a lot of things like that. So like if there's a domestic abuse situation, it's hard to deal with it. If there's a bunch of shit happening, it's hard to actually deal with it. Like our, our society is just not built like that. Like we, we have a lot of problems there. So 
when that's the case and you have a lot of people living there, bad shit's going to happen when the government's more worried about who speak French. There you go, man. <laughs> like, and then you go to other places and I'm sure they have their version of French, but like, like the abortion issue is a huge one in the States right now. And it's like, okay, I guess that's a debate, but you guys, none of us are really dealing with the, the real issues and shit. So yeah, in a, in a big populated area where like, people got a lot of poverty sometimes you're gonna see some spastic shit and it's gonna always be like bad but the more people the more bad shit you know yeah it's like it's like if you count like if you do like a statistics approach like yeah sure some guy got murdered yesterday but how many people did not get murdered yesterday and that number probably increases it's kind of like it's kind of like covid when they would say yo like uh hundred people died in Quebec today. How many people live in Quebec? You know, is it what, That's how what many, I'm how saying? Like people? some of these rates of people were like real small. Now yeah. COVID's a whole other beast because yo, while COVID was happening, I was reading books about how plagues be wiping out 25% of humans on earth and shit. And I'm like, fuck that. Let's be cautious. We don't know yet. That's just <laughs> where I was at with it. Cause y'all like, it didn't be that, but imagine it was that shit. And like, you know, one in four people you know is now dead. That's what, like, some of them played. Those people before. lost more than 25% of their family, you know? <clears throat> yeah. And, like, yo, I mean, I know soap exists now. And, like, it's crazy to say, but, like, showers and shit really changed a lot. But, like, still, you read a bunch of books about black plagues and bubonic plagues and all this shit. And you're like, I'm okay with them letting science be science. Once they said, you know, like, I'm glad they reversed all their whatevers and whatnot, but that shit psyched me out because of fucking books. <laughs> yeah, who, the, who the fuck knows what, what whatever the fuck that was, man? But, I mean, well, I guess we're all past that at this point, you know? But just I mean, another crazy thing, you know? Just another crazy thing that happened to us, you know? I think more crazy things are going to happen. You know, the banks yeah, collapsed no today. The banks collapsed today. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> Well, there are two major bank, two major banks in the states that highly were affiliated with crypto. Is my understanding collapsed? Now the problem with that is it's going to create a cascade effect where investors are not protected. Thus, they're all going to pull their money out, and it could be bad news bears. It could also be a nothing burger. That's the thing. Nobody fucking knows. But two major banks in the states crashed today. Yeah, but let's say let's say you have a bit of money, all right, and you want to pull out the bank. Where do you put it? Because then somebody can rob you, rob you, and you know you can't insure your money. I'm pretty sure gold would be an answer. I know it sounds like whatever, where, but where do you put it? Where do you put the gold? Stash like, them bricks, man. Like you, I don't know how to buy gold. <laughs> like there's stash, a stash you go through the gold people, because that's how that shit works, right? Like it's like a stock market. Because for me, the only thing the only thing I like about banks, I hate banks, but it's like the only thing is that they offer security for like the, if you have economies or not. Like it's hard to rob a bank, you know what I'm saying? But this is like the problem is is that like you got like your regular banks, then you got other kinds of banks, and other kinds of banks sometimes deal with more money than the regular banks. So since the whole system is all kind of tied together, if you have two major players fall. That could recreate what the fuck happens in 2008 where like two, three major banks went bankrupt or whatever and everything crashed and a lot of bad shit happened. Like I'm not an economist, people. 
I barely understand this shit. But all the economist dudes on YouTube be like wildly like, this is significant. We don't know what's going to happen. Could be bad. And it was trending on Twitter today. Oh, I, I'm not an economist, but I just bought a house two years ago. And it's like, I don't have to be an economist to understand how the interest rates just like. If I yeah, were to yeah. buy the same house today, it would be like six to seven percent more interest rate, which would be, you know, if you, let's say you're buying a house between two hundred and three hundred thousand, the difference is still significant. It's not that much, but still, if it's like an extra six, seven, eight hundred, you know, just because of an increase, you know, so say shit's getting, shit's getting pretty fucked up, man, you know. Yeah, it's gonna get worse. Well, like even on that subject, right? A lot of these people get five-term fixed mortgage rates, right? So yeah, people copped a am. bunch. So you copped a mortgage when the interest rate was like at what it was. I know that Canada man just increased it like in the last week, which means when you renegotiate and the five year term is up and that means that basically the the people who don't have the fixed rate, they get fucked right now. And the people who have the fixed rate, they get they get fucked whenever they have to renegotiate the mortgage. Yeah. Like my cousin apparently has like a super long term fixed rate. So they I but like. Yeah, I think a lot of people who bought those condos making X amount of money and were making fun of people who rented and shit are about to get really fucked. Everybody's going to get fucked, though, because the people who are renting, the evil-ass fucking tenants, or, or the, or the, uh, the evil-ass people who own the blocks, they're trying to find ways to get you to, you know, it's like everyone's going to get fucked over, you know? Yeah, but... um, I definitely don't think... Okay, like, if you can't... Like, if you're, like... In a situation like mine, where it's gonna be super hard for them do to you, get rid of me. Kids? Nah, do you have not kids at all. right now? No. Nah. Okay, you're different good. Life. You're set. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah, you know, you're good. Different man. life. But if you have kids, you have to have you have to provide like a house because it's just for like like a, for like family reasons. Just well, like a, I mean, I'm I'm you know, 35. I'm still trying to have a, a place to live. I'm not trying to be crap couch surfing and shit at this age, you know. But like my yeah, point okay, is man. like, still like I, I just like think a lot of people bought a lot of property with condos thinking that they would afford it, but their salaries are not going to go up to match what the interest rates are going to be. It's going to create um, some foreclosure issues. And what I kind of hope happens is that the housing market goes down a bit so that inevitably I can afford to buy a home on this island. Yeah. I think I got lucky because when I bought my house, we were the only people who bid it on it. So that was, that was the window right there, you know? Mm. Usually, usually when you buy a house, it's like these days. It's like maybe like five to like thirty people who want it at the same time, and that's where it shit gets fucking crazy, you know. No, I hear that. Yeah, I would love yeah, to keep. For that, you know? I would love to keep going, man. But it's now ten o'clock ish, and unfortunately, I got to go open for Jero tomorrow myself, so I get to go meet Jero the Damager, and I don't actually want to be dead for that performance. Dignity <laughs> um, salute. But yeah, I would definitely so easy, love to do it. Let me just run the closing right quick. So I just want to say I appreciate all of y'all for watching out there. Um, thank you for being here. For those on the live, for those of you watching in the future, we appreciate you as well. If you want to show some love to the show with some fiscals, you can hit at that patreon.com slash behind that suit. Also, make sure to follow um, Mr. Boxguts. Beat a Ho is hard to follow, but you can follow him too. I'll put a hop about their Instagrams and stuff. And, uh, the bottom of the description of the video so you can go and link up with all of them and uh hear the music check it out i really enjoyed this conversation i think y'all are this was fun like i wasn't really sure we don't do a lot of two people at once over here but 
this was a good vibe so we can definitely do more of this kind of shit in the future yeah, that thanks um, a lot man i appreciate okay. it thank you so on that note i'm just initiating this little raid in the stream i wanted to say a live long and prosper to everybody out there watching this Thank you.